This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. Uh, RJ Bailey. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order release. This week, we're living in the tall grass, killing mm. samurais, stabbing dudes in the guts while they shit. As we mm. watch Spine 226 in the Criterion Collection, Kaneto Shindo's Onibaba from 1964. Uh. But first, RJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, had any babies lately? Um, no. No. Is that something people are doing right now? Apparently. I mean, that's all all, all I've been hearing about lately is like people giving their kids weird names and and like singers like losing a bunch of weight and people getting angry Mm. that people think that's a good thing, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's almost like COVID's like kind of not totally in the news. Like it still is. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Because wherever we are, eight weeks, nine weeks into this mm-hmm. bad boy. But it seems like normalcy is starting to return a little bit. And, like, we're useless shit is, like, percolating to the top. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the useless shit is uh, only only getting bigger. Do you know what I mean, Jarrett? Right. Only... It seems that much bigger of a deal. It's only getting bigger, Jarrett. And uh, I, for one, uh, think that this is how... It's always been, and it's just maybe people are noticing more because they don't have the the daily life to distract them. Have, I'm have, not sure. Have you been listening to uh, like Harry Potter cast members reading chapters from Harry Potter books? No, I haven't been indulging in that, but uh, I have been reading a lot of the bo- backs of cereal boxes lately. Oh yeah, and any yeah. any uh, big discoveries? I don't know, any man. Insights? There's a, like. Uh, what is that fibrosis thing? Cystic fibrosis? That's in all the cereals. Um, that's worrying. Well, <laughs> take it up with uh, Mr. Kellogg. Why is he putting cystic fibrosis in, in our food? I don't know, man. Maybe it's part of his master plan. Of no, what's that all... word I'm looking for? Uh, no, I don't think cystic fibrosis. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's something else. But uh, so that's where I'm at now, which I think is more productive than uh, wondering the backstory of the gimp in Pulp Fiction or uh, I don't know. I, I think I feel like everyone's diving into those kinds of things now. They're like people are like, oh, did you ever notice this part of this movie? And it's like, yeah, you know what I you know what not- I need? I really need a uh, Fight Club Explain video, maybe followed by Usual Suspects uh-huh. video. That's like 10 minutes long. Oh, that actually reminds me. So, like, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, I uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what came over me all of a sudden, but I was, like, uh, thinking about the when Arya killed the Night King in Game of oh, Thrones. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I should, like, look that up. That's just the clip. I just want to see that clip. It's probably on YouTube. Sure enough, it was. Mm-hmm. And it was in, like, much better clarity than it was mm-hmm. when it broadcast, because you, you might remember that episode was a, a pain in the ass to see the mm-hmm. night it aired. Mm-hmm. So I watched that, and I was like, that's pretty cool. And I was like, what are some other cool shit things from, like, old Game of Thrones? And I was like, yeah. There's, like, when the, if, if those skeletons came out of the ground when Bran arrived to go see the Three-Eyed Raven. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I checked that out. That's still fucking awesome. Then I was reading mm-hmm. how people in the comments were talking about, like, how shitty the skeletons look. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Those things look amazing. <laughs> like, they, yeah. for, for television? Like, those are amazing-looking skeletons. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... RJ, I started Uh-oh. getting videos about like, are like ripping, uh, 
Game of Thrones season eight for all these problems and and really starting to pick it apart. Some right. somebody put together like a supercut of like like forty something plot points or like <laughs> plot threads that were dropped or plot of holes. Course. And of course, like I start watching this and I'm just like, that's not a plot. Like none of these are like a lot of these aren't plots. These are just like oh that was like an idea that they had and there was no payoff to it. It's a plot hole. And it's like mm-hmm. oh my god this shit. And like these things have millions of views and people like eat that content up, but they're bad mm-hmm. and no one challenges them on it. Mm-hmm. They just exist and they just get away with it. And uh, that that is I think amongst the the worst things going online. I mean there's well, there's rampant racism and ignorance mm-hmm. and misinformation campaigns, but man th- those movie uh, compilations supercut things criticizing movies for things that like don't even fit the definition that they are but everyone agrees on it now so i guess it is the definition just like literally has no meaning now mm. literally do you mean literally. i i would say like you're saying that these people are going unchallenged maybe uh you're the champion of the movement no. against I, I, uh, you I have a platform i have a platform this is true so i mean you you could be the person who actually takes some of these people out i mean if not you who's gonna do Take it bill out. shatner I don't know, man. Big Big Bill, the Shat Man? The Shat Man himself. I feel like this is uh, insider baseball, but I think there was a real missed opportunity. I should have reached out to him because uh, he was really active about our, our local news today, and I should have been like, hey, bud, you want to talk about it on this uh, this here podcast? Do you think our listener, Do you think our listeners even know what we're talking about yet? Like, I, no, I, but I, they can I, look I, it up. Yeah. So, like, uh, or, what, or you can describe what, what, what's, it. What's happened in Creepsville, RJ? Well, there was a there's this restaurant in uh, Creepsville called Coco Vanilla Galactic Cantina. Uh, it has a ton of copyright infringement. Uh, apparently, someone drew attention where the sign alone has four different copyright infringements on it. They're like, I think their shtick is that they're a nerd bar in the yeah. sense of like the Star Wars Cantina like thing. Yep. And they just uh, when this all started, so th- this place only opened like two three months before COVID. Like in so, like, like it was January. Yeah, so it was like just getting off its toes, and then uh, when COVID well, hit, like these I, people were in real trouble. I would even like pre- preface this with the, their location mm-hmm. is oh yes probably not the best place you would want to locate a new, a potentially trendy nerd bar in mm-hmm. like what was like a forty year old Chinese food restaurant on what some people consider the wrong side of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, the location too. And then even uh, just to put a little more perspective, if people want, there's some YouTube videos about all the failing restaurants that have existed in Lethbridge over the last like (laughs) couple of years. Like there's just montages where it's like 60 restaurants will like close within the same year and then the next year it'll happen again. So there's a pretty, pretty big cycle of turnover of restaurants in this town, Jared. It's it's a bloodbath. It's a... Yeah. So whenever anything opens, you're like, well, it's going to last for about four or five months and then it'll go under. That's just how everything happens here. And uh, I, I think no one ex- no one thought that this place would be any different. And then, I mean, they were getting heat when COVID was happening because they were still in, inviting people to oh, yeah. come in. Like the big one was uh, St. Patrick's Day because that was where lockdown orders weren't done yet, but it was encouraged everywhere in the world. And so like especially in our place any restaurants that were still open people are like hmm so they were encouraging people and then the guy started like a kickstarter or a gofundme Go to save, me. His, save his restaurant and uh and then this week or on may the 4th he had his um one of his female employees don a uh, stormtrooper outfit and go outside to 
drum up business, I guess, which is confusing because the restaurants are still supposed to be closed. So I'm not sure if it was for takeout. But uh, some uh, apparently there was a lot of concerned citizens, especially since like a week ago, Canada had like the biggest mass shooting like in its history, in its history. So uh, the, the girl had like a stormtrooper like rifle or something like that. And uh, a there was a blaster. A, bunch of, a, blaster. a blaster. Yeah. Bunch of 911 calls. And then our uh, police uh, service came and uh, they forcefully uh, arrested the, the lady at gunpoint. Um, and it was recorded and people had a big issue with it. And I mean, I'm not saying right or wrong. I have no opinion. I'm a podcaster. But uh, yeah. Mr. William Shatner, that's right. One, Kirk one, himself. Yeah. Uh, he's been pretty James active Tiberius about it. Kirk. And I got to say, he's doing his research, too. He's He was, like, dredging up scandals that our police department had, like, a year or two ago. Like, that guy who ran over that deer, like, a hundred times. Like, I know what, though. I don't even that, – that's, like – I don't know if that requires too much research because that's, no. like, if you type in Lethbridge, Lethbridge Police, it's, like, the, one of the first things that pop up because people are yep. still bringing that up in this context, too, putting mm-hmm. stormtrooper helmets on deer and uh, oh. saying, beware, LPS. <laughs> Mm. Well, I, I just mean like I think the fact that he Googled Lethbridge police at all shows that he had like a a little bit of stuff to do. But uh, anyways, the only re- reason I bring it up is because I should have reached out to him and maybe he would have come on for a local opinion and a platform for himself. Um, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? So, uh, you know, a couple of days like the day that this incident happened, uh, yeah. their uh, their GoFundMe was at like, I think, two hundred and eighty dollars and had been that for about two three weeks at least mm-hmm. uh and now it's exploded to 970 dollars mm-hmm. of the 50,000 goal 900 dollars of 50,000 goal what is yeah. the 50,000 for does, uh, does he specify i think it's basically just to pay rent pay the bills pay the bills huh Help them get through the next. I mean, who knows how long this is going to go for? I suppose uh, that's a lot of restaurants. Okay. A lot of restaurants have to uh, deal with this. Uh, sure. One one thing a friend of mine asked about and mentioned mm-hmm. that I thought was maybe a thing was so the blaster in question. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have one of those like orange tips that uh, toy guns uh, are supposed to have. But yeah. I was wondering, like, well, so there's like that whole five hundred one thing, right? Like they're all the guys who pretend to be stormtroopers and they go right. to conventions and they all line up and they're cool mm-hmm. well i was like well so i started looking at pictures i'm like yeah none of them have like orange tips on their uh guns either so i looked it up and apparently there's like essentially you don't want to put one on because every single place you go could potentially ask for some other requirement to like designate mm-hmm. your weapons fake and so they don't put anything permanently on it so you, you do wonder if like okay. you know if if uh the restaurant owner who had this idea of having someone walking around with a uh, plastic gun might have said hey cops we're just doing this thing i mean obviously you would think of it now but at the time i would never have thought about it either but mm-hmm. uh because like cause in the video in question you see the owner standing out front of his door saying it's a toy gun mm-hmm. <laughs> uh as this girl's sobbing and her mm-hmm. nose is bleeding uh as she's being ordered to get down on the ground in a stormtrooper costume that does not bend at the knees <laughs> yeah yeah, I felt uh, I feel pretty bad for the girl. Like, uh, I don't think she's at fault at all. No. Like, I mean, the owner of the business, surely he's got some some blame to uh, take on for that. Uh, maybe even the police. I don't know. 
Well, I don't know, Jared. Yeah, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of like uh, professionals on the internet, people who you know know nothing, uh, mm-hmm. but experts at that. They were talking about like, sure. police are supposed to de-escalate the situation, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I hear that often, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they sure just they treated it like, hey, we don't know that guns. Aren't, I mean, it also takes some weirdo to be in a stormtrooper mm-hmm. costume with a real gun, and now people wouldn't see it coming. Sure. Sure. I don't know. It's like I said, it's a complex issue, Jared. I don't have the answer. Would you call it problematic? I would call it problematic. The biggest thing that I would say is that uh, I wish there was some sort of, uh, I don't know, star captain or star admiral even that could probably guide me in the right direction here. Yeah. And I mean that genuinely because I don't know what's right. Who knows, man? It was also pointed out to me as like, well, I mean, of course, uh, Kirk would think that he's from Quebec. Kirk? Well, I mean, yeah. He is a... It's weird, though, like, because he doesn't really have... Does he have any French? I've never heard him have, like, a French accent at all, or... Did he leave Quebec when he was a little kid or something? I have no idea. Hmm. These are things I think about. Are these these the things that keep you up at night? Sometimes, yeah. I was like... Last night, I was like, why doesn't Kirk have a French accent? Did he leave? Did he stay? Like, I mean, what about Jean-Luc Picard? I mean, he's the most British guy in the world. Why did they give him a French name? Very, very confusing. Is there an explanation for that in the show ever? Um, I don't know. It's probably somewhere in the technical manual that talks about the uh, dolphins that are on the Enterprise. Hey, that was pretty cool. I like that. We'll get there, though. Okay. We'll get to dolphins. Okay. You know, Sex mm-hmm. dolphins? Um, What? Uh, yeah, there's nothing new with me. We got some emails, though. <laughs> okay. I mean, there's nothing new with me, either. That's... uh. We just covered a week's worth of news. Yep, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Well, first up, we got Uh Scott Bailey. George C. Scott Bailey? The return of George Scott Bailey III. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. What's new with him? Uh, No subject. Hope you guys are doing well. I have a Mm -hmm. few questions for you guys this week. As of this email, it will be my last day off before I go back to work that day oh. will be monday so i finally got around to seeing the movie train to busan my huh. opinion of it is that it's one of the best zombie movies to come out since george romero's day of the dead my first mm-hmm. question for you is what do you think of the movie if you have seen next question is what are some of your favorite zombie movies last question A- after watching the movie i was thinking of some of the other zombie movies i've seen it also got me thinking about the chud movies would you guys consider mm-hmm. those zombie movies or just monster movies well First up, uh, we've both mm-hmm. seen Train to Busan, mm-hmm. and you watched it not that long ago. Like two months ago, maybe? Yeah. Two, three months ago was all, or maybe not even that long. Yeah, I watched it, and I watched that uh, animated uh, prequel that, um, what was it called? Saul Station. I thought it was fine. I don't know. Like, I thought it was. it's definitely better than a lot of the other ones I've, I'd seen lately. Uh, I think for me, I was kind of like, this has been built up a little bit too much for me, and uh I thought it was good. I, like, I didn't think there was anything bad about it, but uh, I was kind of like, I think people maybe overhype it a little bit. But I don't know. What about you? How long ago was it that you saw that movie? Cool. Whenever it came out on uh, Blu-ray, bought Ooh. that, bought it at Walmart, and whatever it had, the certified fresh sticker on it and all that. What did I say? I think I gave it four stars at the time. I thought it was uh, mm. very enjoyable, RJ. Ah, and so you're uh, you're part of the brethren. February of 2017. So nice. Just over. Three and you give it ago. four stars. I give four stars. So I you're uh, you're a big fan. I uh, 
I think it was like one of those movies that was like a borderline. Like it'd be like a three point seven five, perhaps a mm. three point eight. So, right. but I figured ah, it would be like a four stars. Like, yeah, people should definitely watch this movie. Um, and on the whole, it seems to play out other than these weirdos like you. Mm. What, who <laughs> no. think it's just okay? Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I uh, think it's fine. Yeah. I, uh, and then for as far as other uh, zombie movies, let's take a mm-hmm. gander. There's a guy's list here. It's got like a thousand movies for zombies. Let's switch this over to movies I've seen. Show, watch films, computer. Let's uh, look up zombies. Zombie boys. I know you're a big fan of, uh, is it Return of the Living Dead 3? I am. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is, like, I've actually seen over a page. That means I've watched over 100. Well, they got things like Power Rangers, the movie. Ivan Ooze is not a zombie, nor is the people that he influences. They're under a hypnotic control that is not zombieism. Well, according to this list, Bud the Chud, this list considers Bud the Chud a zombie. I was going to say, I think Chud 2, Bud the Chud is definitely, because they kind of retcon their own franchise. Chud 1, I don't think so, because yeah. they're cannibalistic human underground dwellers, my friend. Right. So they're uh, they're a whole different kettle of fish. They're Chuds. They're Chuds. What about Us, the Jordan Peele movie? Is that a zombie movie? Because no. that's a remake of Chud. But it's but yeah, it's definitely not a zombie movie. Yeah, it's just a just fancy Chud. Fancy Chuds. Uh, art- artisanal Chuds. Artisanal Chud? That'd be a good byline for that movie. When are, uh, when are you going to rewatch those Jordan Peele movies? Never. Never? You never well, get, get, well, I like to get out, but I, I have no interest to return to it. I I would watch it again at some point in the next yeah. year or two probably because I think it's time. See, revisit mm-hmm. it. See if it's like, oh, that is pretty good. Because I was like very like, I don't know, mixed I, I I liked it on the yep. whole, um, and us was like one where it's just like I like kind of it. I don't really like this enough. I, I it was definitely not as good as Get Out. So, yeah, um, I I remember liking Get Out quite a bit, and then uh, I had a ton of issues with us. You can uh, if anyone's interested, I wrote a pretty lengthy uh, letterbox to review of that bad boy. But uh, other zombie movies is that was the question, right, Jer? Yeah, next question, what are some of your favorite zombie movies? Well, I mean, fuck. Everybody knows, because I've talked about mm-hmm. it probably an awful lot, Dawn of the Dead is uh, the the bee's knees of zombiedom. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, what I, about I mean, Life yeah. Force? Nope. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Like, some, I'm looking at this list, and there's things on here like Messiah of Evil. I'm like, is that a zombie movie? I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're, maybe they're ghouls, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know about zombies. What about a reanimator? Does that count? See, that's uh, sticky. I think uh, that's a thin line. Uh, a burial, burial ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Yeah, it's got some sweet titty-biting action. And that's the one with that weird kid, and, right? Yeah, that okay. bo- the, the boy. And, and, uh-huh. and it's got Scythe Zombie. Oh, yeah, Scythe Zombie's pretty cool. Yeah. What's that boy's name in it again? Isn't it something weird like Martin Mole? Uh, hold on, hold on. From Mr. Mom. Ooh. You know what's a really good zombie movie? It's Peter Bark uh, playing Michael. That's it. Hey, you know what's a really good zombie movie? And I mean this completely genuinely. My Boyfriend's Back. Oh, yeah. You know, I've never seen that. It's a good show. Don't Don't tell Mom. But my boyfriend's back and I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. uh, That just got released by uh, someone or other. I think Shout Factory. Uh, I've uh-huh. never, I never, I never watched it when it was around when I was a kid. No, I had it's no, in, had no interest. But what about now? 
Maybe. Would you watch oh, it de- now? Definitely. Uh, you, you should watch it for Cryptober, maybe. Maybe. If I, I got to remember, though. I got to put it on the list. How am I going to do that, though? Put it on the list right now. Fuck. But I'm looking at this other list. It's it's very oh. uh, rife with issues. Yeah, I'm looking at a list, too, and uh, I'm, uh, like, I don't know what to think about some of these movies that are included on here. Dawn of the Dead, the remake. I know that's one of your favorite films. I know you're a big Zack Snyder guy, as it goes. Yeah. Okay, wait, what was the third question? Uh, but the Chuds. Oh, yeah, we, we don't oh. think. No, Chud, Chud, yeah. Chud definitely one is not uh, yeah. too sure. I think, too, like the plot is that he's a zombie or something like that. So, but uh, Chud, too, is like a whole different kind of thing completely. I don't know why, but I mean, I wasn't there when they when they made it or else I would uh, I'd, I'd try to help you guys out here. But, oh, you know, it's a not bad one. I remember when watching it at the time, but might not hold up was a uh, Pontypool Canadian zombie. Oh, movie. yeah, yeah. Audio. Well, what about uh cell? Cell? No, not as much cell. Uh, I know Pontypool I liked quite a bit. So on one of the most popular zombie lists on Letterboxd, like one of the first ones that pops up at least, they have The Road, the Cormac McCarthy. Uh, on here. That's not a zombie story. No. That's just a There's some... Wasteland movie. Yeah. Yeah. El Mariachi? I don't think that's a zombie movie either. Yeah, what the hell? What, the, what is up with this shit? Did they just think people wouldn't get eight pages deep into their their list? Because I'll tell you, I have a I have like a fifteen page list on my Alien thing, and uh, every one of those bad boys is counted for with Aliens. See, All right. Uh, the Dead Next Door has some pretty good uh, uh, zombie effects for like a no budget movie, mm-hmm. and Return of the Living Dead, which I talked about mm-hmm. at the end of last October, was some good stuff. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead's pretty good, despite the maker. <laughs> 20, you know. 28 Days Later, I've only ever seen once. I liked uh, I liked those movies when I had watched them. Yeah. I don't know if I still like them now, but I have fond memories of those guys. Oh, I just saw the, the, the poster for The Beyond and uh, started like thinking about the theme song of that uh, movie, which I love. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yep. City of the Living Dead. Yeah, there's Pontypool. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, so uh, anyways, good movies. George good movies. C. Scott Bailey. They're, they're out there, folks. They're out they are. Sometimes. There's a few. Next up, Jackson. Oh, should I mention, oh, Actium Jackson Maximus? Yes. Haven't heard of that guy for a while. I was going to say George C. Scott Bailey just uh, told me his gates are open in Animal Crossing, but we're recording, so sorry, bud. Oh, damn it. <laughs> What's up with uh, Actium Jackson Maximus? Haven't heard from that guy in a while. In the email entitled guests hey creeps mm. given that rj has finally delivered on watching both an elliot gould film festival as well as love exposure i felt as if i had uh-huh. no other choice but to write in and voice my admiration for the man's dedication to his fan base <laughs> a few weeks ago i was called out by frank santoro to be on an episode sometime soon i guess now my debut on by Brackage, an anthology volume two. I figure RJ mm-hmm. would refuse to be on the episode. We'll have to be pushed up. I've been eyeing Videodrome coming up soon. Ooh, it might be a spoken for, but I'll have to get back to you. Uh-oh. It, uh, I, let me, it let is... me do some digging tonight. Okay. Yeah, you okay. better check on that one. Yeah, I better check. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I wanted to say... 
that the recent guests have been great. Always good to hear from mm. Justin, Frank, and an excellent premiere from the Vinegar Syndrome villain himself, Sam Sanchez. Mm-hmm. I was curious to hear your thoughts on Scorsese's Cape Fear. I recently saw it and was unfortunately let down by the only film that I'd seen from him that I disliked. Furthermore, I've got a suggestion on the next one for RJ and anyone else to watch. Mm. Dusty Stacks of Mom, The Poster Project. It's a magical experience and only 40 minutes. Keep up the unprecedented work and wishing you a magnificent gourmet. Axiom Jackson Maximus. Well, I'm uh, I'm happy that uh, big Axiom Jackson Maximus is back into the world now. He's keeping up to date and irrelevant with what we're doing. And uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe he will be on sooner than by Brackage too. I'll have that actually is I'm not I'm not just being shitty. There was uh, someone that contacted me about it, but I, I just got to follow up with them and yep. see if they're actually if they want to do it or not. And then uh, I can announce that next week. Yeah, that it if it's taken or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. Nice well, I mean, to hear yeah, from uh, this yeah. guy. And I would say that yeah, the, the one, the one person uh, would mm-hmm. be a person. Like, it's probably like, uh, there's very few people that would trump uh, most of our listeners. Right. And this is both, this is the only one I think. This is probably the only one. So uh, it's yeah. definitely uh, there, there is a, there's a precedent here for this. And that, that's the only reason why yeah. I, uh, I speak up, but yeah. if not, I mean, he's next up. That's right. We'll see how mm-hmm. the stars align. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Um, so yeah, I I don't know what this thing is that he's talking about. This dusty stacks of mom. I just found it and uh, I added it to my watch list. But uh, did he say where you can watch this? Is it on YouTube? I'm assuming it's on YouTube or on Vimeo or something. It's only it is only forty minutes from a director named Jody Mack. Oh yeah, got a lot of uh, a lot of visual. It posters. is on a lot of watch lists of people I follow. Huh the hell is up with that i don't know i don't know let's see who's uh yeah jackson's the only guy i know who's seen it so maybe maybe it's like he hacked the mainframe for it do you think he made it back jody mack jody mack yeah oh shit my boyfriend's back struck by bob balaban uh yeah did you not know that I guess I forgot. He also directed the movie Parents with everyone's favorite, favorite, Wendy w- 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 Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy Quaid's my favorite actor. <laughs> I love that guy. He's a he's a uh, he's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. Huge uh, or true. Well, if uh, wait, so wait, what was this thing called again? I already forgot. I, already, I was just well, dusty stacks. Dusty stacks of mom. Yeah, I'll check YouTube. You can check something else, and then uh, if it is available, uh, maybe I'll save it for a rainy day. Hey, look, RJ. What? It's Sam Sanchez with an email also entitled "No Subject." Whoa! What, what, what will be the first thing he wants to mention, RJ? Oh yeah, uh, I'll I'll let him finish. You can read his email, but uh, I I said I would talk about cursed films on here, and I totally forgot. Oh, so no, uh, I'll, no. I'll do that after no, the email. No. Something about that. It's hey oh. guys, Sam Santoro here, or Frank Sanchez, whichever Jared mm. prefers, I suppose. Nice. Just wanted nice. to say thank you to Frank and or Justin for the kind words about my guest episode. Forget mm-hmm. which one emailed in, but both have commented on my letterbox as well. So thanks is due to both regardless. Speaking of which, I guess I would say assume that he would extend that now to Jackson if he wants to keep yes. writing emails of thanks. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, Jarrett brought up me not calling my shot for a future episode. If I wanted to play it conservatively about a year from now, a double dose of 
uh, Dassin would seem like an obvious one, with Night in the City and Thieves Highway having back-to-back spines seems fairly fitting. Maybe mm-hmm. even a future ghoul school to turn a five-hour podcast into an eight-hour podcast, which I'm sure both of you would just be thrilled about having to do. So I'll spare you that. I mean, we would. That's the sad thing is we would do it if if, if it was asked. I, my Yeah, my – like, yeah. If, I, if we were going to do something like that, it would be like a brief kind of uh, – spot rather than a episode length uh, recording but sure that, that's a that's another idea for another time it's, yeah it's uh it's nice to hear that he's got some ideas at least i'm still i'm still waiting i mean so we got sam sanchez and actium jackson maximus talking about picks that they have but uh, no one's mentioned fat girl yet so uh <laughs> just waiting for someone to pick up fat girl you know what i mean Jared? maybe maybe a frank santoro or a sam Solano? I can't. You you got them all mixed up. I, I messed you up now. You you messed me up. Now now I'm like, man, who is who? Crazy. Sorry. What was Sam saying? More stuff. Oh, uh, because I was confirming. Yeah, you have not seen Fat Girl, right? No, but I remember. I think this was pre-pod. You had just watched Fat Girl, and you had told you you had described it to me and described why I wouldn't like watching oh, Fat Girl. That's there you go. And so I've I've always thought of it, and I was like, well, that's. I was like, that's fucking years from now. I'm not going to have to watch Fat Girl. I was like, it's never coming up, but it's it's actually, it's looming pretty pretty soon, no? Like within the next year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's coming. So. In regards to those long episodes, this month I'm looking forward to hearing the Cormay episode. Uh, words we'll out. See. The word's out. People are watching the letterbox, guys. Well, I think it. Uh, we we had kind of said we might do that, or Fred Olin may, and uh, I mean, as soon as someone saw that you and me were just ripping through Corman movies, I think it's pretty easy to pick out, right? Yeah, like, uh, Oliver sent an email that uh, got bumped to the end because he he sent something last minute. So mm. we'll get there. Okay. I've, I've started following along as well and still have tons to go, though about five of the early sci-fi corn movies all are blending together for me. Mm-hmm. I'm finding myself enjoying them. It's likely because of all those sweet run times. Oh, mm. oh, oh, yeah. 71 minutes often. Mm. Some of them Beautiful. are 60 minutes, Jared. I know. <laughs> Even better, baby. Oh, that, that makes it all the more easy to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one question, not sure if it's been asked before, but what is a memorable date movie you guys watched while on a date during the courting process? So not within an already established relationship, or maybe even if you could remember what your first ever date movie was. I was just randomly thinking about this and it hit me that on my first ever date in general, so not just first date movie, but first date overall was going to the theater to watch the Ray Liotta John Cusack classic Identity. Oh, fuck. Ooh, that's a pretty good date movie. Oh. Oh, I don't know about that. Fuck. Okay. Identity. Have I ranted about identity on this show? Before before you mention that, I just have an interesting thing that actually kind of pairs well with this. So a date movie identity. I one time there was this guy I went to high school with and uh, he was going to get married right out of high school. And uh, they didn't actually end up getting married. Uh, Some stuff happened. But uh, they had like a little party before their wedding. And they were doing this game where it was like, how well do they know each other? And uh, they were like, what's your favorite movie? And their favorite movie was Identity, Jared. It was their favorite movie because they saw it together. So uh, I just – I find it funny. But what's your hot take on this hot movie? Well, let me just finish. Uh, Sam says, I have not seen it since. But I remember liking it way back when. And I'm not sure Mm -hmm. it holds up wonderfully. Take care, guys. 
P.S. After being one of the few at my job that was scheduled for two weeks in a row rather than alternating week by week, having now, as of May 3rd, been given time off indefinitely. <gasps> so it is all Ooh. contingent on my specific locations opening up or not, which it currently is closed. Everyone else who works at locations that are currently open have returned to work uh, business as usual. So it's kind of it's kind of sucks for them. So for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future, at least this month, I suppose, I'll have plenty of time to catch up on a lot of Roger Corman mediocrities. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's only, there's, there's only 55 on. directed movies. I mean, it's very mm-hmm. doable. Especially because I think, uh, wasn't he watching like four or five movies a day at one point? Or, or was that? <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he was hitting it pretty hard. Yeah, so he, he could be done in 10 days if he was going at that pace. He could even bring the kids in, introduce them to the yeah. creature on the of the haunted sea, and just look at all those ladies' gams. Ooh, hot gams. There's Some a lot, there, there's a, there's a lot of gams movies. in those movies. There is. There's a lot of gams, a lot of a uh, lot of ladies with eyebrows. I think Corman had a, uh, a specific thing. We'll had, get there he had, eventually. He had, he had a type. But... Yeah, these are just yeah, previews, teasers uh, for a few weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, uh, identity. Oh man, I saw that. I saw that goddamn thing in theater, and I remember like this is like my go-to movie with movies that have like 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 just the stupidest premises. Like oh mm-hmm. my god, the premises! Like, uh, it all. Just <laughs> say it. It all Tell takes place. It. it all takes place in the fat guy's head. It's like that's yeah. that's it. And oh fuck, it's so stupid. I oh well. This is that so era think... though. Like this is like I, I bet uh, Sam will still like this movie because it is very joyrideish in its aesthetics. Yeah. Like it is totally that era. Um, and like it, I remember. I think I did rewatch this, and it's mm-hmm. still like. Like, is this so preposterous? It wasn't quite like as preposterous as I remember because I knew going in what it was. But I remember being watching and being like, that's the twist. And just being like, fuck, like these movies. But people loved it. And they were like, oh, man, it really blew my mind. I was just like, what? I, re- I remember liking it when I saw it, but I think I was like 10 years old. When did it come out? Uh, two thousand one or two, I think. Maybe two thousand two. Two thousand three. So yeah, I was, okay. Yeah, I was thirteen. So uh, I, James I, Mangold. I shit. was I was twenty. So I I remember liking it when it came out, but um, it's like I said, I don't like the split personality thing. I think it's silly, and it's that's why I don't like split either. It's like it's not a thing. It's like we've we've accepted that as a scientific community. It's not a thing. So. You had a you had a date movie. Uh, I once went on a date to Click, uh, the Adam Sandler movie. That was pretty good. Wow. It was a, a packed theater, and uh, a lot of people cried in that movie. It was uh, an interesting uh, experience for me. What about you, hot dog? Well, uh, some movies I've seen on dates would include A Beautiful Mind, Ooh. and Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder. <laughs> film nice yeah um and oh there's a string of shit big fish and good company that topher grace movie i have no idea why i saw that but i did a string of shit and yeah and and but oh i saw love actually all in this context and nice that that oh that movie it's it's i that movie is fucking so stupid and horrible mm-hmm. and it's beloved now people love it i thought it was one of your favorites to be honest well you got me i'm just covering <laughs> yeah. here 
I'm just saying, like, from everything I can tell of you is that that's your favorite movie. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I don't remember, like, a first one. I, I went on a lot of group movies with boys and girls. I remember I saw Dead Silence, that puppet movie with a, a group <laughs> of boys and girls. And there was this real chudly lady, like, breathing real loud. And I was like, hey, get out of here. She was with the group, but I was like, hey, try and watch these puppets, man. I, I'm pretty sure that Dead Silence is the movie uh, a friend of mine was trying to remember, like, some creepy doll movie they were taking on a date to. And it like, and they were terrified of dolls. And this mm. person's like, oh, yeah, you'll love it. And it was like. Were they and, in a group of boys no, and girls? No. Oh, okay. They were, like, I think alone in the theater. Like, that was, just, <laughs> it was just, like, two of them. And they were watching this thing. And I was like, so they got to hang out in this like really shitty doll movie thing, but we could, I couldn't come up with the title of it, but I'll have to check in with them and say, I think it's dead silence. Probably dead silence. Yeah. Maybe they're big James Wan fans. Uh, maybe, maybe who knows? Yeah. Got any like bad film, bad, uh, film experiences that like come to mind. I mean, all I talk about is bad film, but like in in this context, for dates not yeah. really like uh click was great when i went on a date with that it was a strange movie but um hmm. no i don't know i feel like i've talked about most of the ones i went when real steel was a really bad one that was me and meat my buddy ham meat That's a date. that was that is a date that was one of the one of the weirder experiences i've ever been to when that guy was slapping his own face He's so excited. I was like, I get it. I I like Hugh Jackman too, but uh, I don't know, man. It was strange. Very strange, Jared. Okay. Very strange. Um, next up, Oliver Granger. Again, with no subject. And he wrote he wrote this in on Sunday, this part. Okay. He wrote, I see a pattern to your guys' recent watches. I just want to say you guys are fucking pussies for not doing <laughs> Takeshi Meek May. <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't uh, want to. Uh, the only way you can make it up to me is if you did uh, Sion Sono Timber. <laughs> I, again, I would rather not. I believe, uh, I think uh, Oliver was one of the people I saw who gave Love Exposure like four or five stars or something like that. So I'm sure he would be on board with that. But uh, I think you've mentioned I, before, one of the appeals of this is that these movies are easily digestible and they're not like subtitled. They're American. Yeah. Well, and it's like and you sev- can... 70 minutes long. Oh, and that's, Se- that's, like, oh. that's, that is the throw line though. Full moon and trauma stuff. Mm-hmm. Like almost everything is like 90 minutes or less. Um, yeah. They're really short. They're all in English. So you, and you can like, you can just drift. And you can look you down. Have... You can look down yeah. for once in a while. Like the idea, like watching, uh, you know, a hundred Japanese movies that vary <laughs> from like 90 to two and a half hours long. Not my idea of how I want to spend my month. I'll say if it ever does happen, we're out of ideas and we're jumping the shark. If we do it to catch a meek may. Ah, I think we, I I would definitely entertain doing it, but I find I'd, I'd have to figure out a way. And plus also like sourcing copies that I can watch easily. too. I own like, you know, 10 of his movies, but there's a lot more to go from that. But I mean, these the Corman's are easy, and then mm-hmm. it looks like next year, if uh, things are still going, Fred mm-hmm. Olin may. Uh, I mean, I, I look forward to that more than anything. But uh, that's my own. Uh, that's my own bag, you know. His Netflix exclusive film, uh, Oliver continues regarding Sion Sono uh, exclusive uh. film, Forest of Love, just got a four hour plus cut. <sighs> I noticed you haven't watched it yet. If you were uh, to do it, what cut would you do? <laughs> I don't know. 
Is there so wait, is there both options on Netflix yeah, or no? I don't know. That's strange. Here. What's that movie called again? Forest of Love. Forest of Love? Is that that Matthew McConaughey movie where he uh goes into the forest no. to kill himself? Isn't that the uh Gus Van Sant movie? Yeah. Yeah, that's no. the one. Forest. The Forest, maybe? I think there was two uh, of them. I can't, uh, like, so, somehow there was two movies about the Japanese suicide forest that came out within like a year of one another because that's the industry. That's the industry, baby. So they both are actually available. So there's The Forest of Love at two hours and 31 minutes, and then there's The Forest of Love Deep Cut, and it's titled, It's classified as a limited series. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to think about it. I don't have an answer uh, for you. I'm going to say no. Okay. P.S. I am watching The Naked Director on Netflix. Good Mm. if you want some of that Japanese weirdness. Would pair well with the pornographers. We already did the pornographers. Well, I guess this would pair well with that. No, I'm not going back. Never. See, what do you have have it out with with the Japanese people, RJ? Raw sexualism which will be discussed later in this episode. Follows the story of Toru Moronishi's unusual and dramatic life filled with big ambitions as well as spectacular setbacks in his attempt to turn Japan's porn industry on its head. Wow, this Mm. sounds amazing. I I did not know about this one. I like my Japanese movies to either have really sad old men or giant monster Godzillas. Or both, preferably. What a wimp. Hey, I, I'm, I'm just the only guy who's keeping it real. The only one. How is this not logable? Why isn't this logable? I don't know. Because it's an eight-episode TV series? That doesn't stop other garbage. Yeah, I saw, uh, I don't know, there's all sorts of shit on Letterboxd that like shouldn't be here, but it is. It's all baloney. Hey, is Color Out of Space on any uh, streaming platform yet? Not, up, not in Canada. Damn. I've been keeping an eye on it. Not yet, but uh, soon. I yeah, I, I don't want to pay money for that. I already know it's mm-hmm. not going to be very good. I know it. I just feel it. Yeah, Color I mean, if... out of space. Is that uh, Japanese? Nope. Apparently it's on Hoopla. Oh, yeah, but see, like, Hoopla's kind of weird up here. Like, I think you might need to get... Uh, well, actually, you'd be fine, because I think you need to log on with your... um your university uh email like you need to be a, a student or something like that or you need to go through library. like a library yep. yeah so you might already have it i don't know oh but, shit uh, well goddamn all right there you go uh justin peterson jp all right walking out rw and double features hey jared and rj what's happening huh. with the coronavirus quarantine lingering on and on what are parts of your normal life that you are starting to miss? To be honest, I'm kind of a homebody, so I'm enjoying having a constant excuse to stay home. So mm. I'm not going as stir-crazy as those people, persons out there that always like to be out and about socializing. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, I miss walking, like to, uh, say, uh, particular Mexican fast food restaurants that uh, exist. You can and, go to and, Taco Time still. Yeah, but you shouldn't. 
Yeah, yes. I it's it's I feel very conflicted. I I almost thought about doing it on Friday. I did the walk, yeah. but I didn't actually go into the restaurant. I just mm-hmm. walked by it and was like, "Well, I got that's the good that's the best part of it is the walk and there's like some sort of feeling of normalcy." Mm-hmm. But uh I was just like, "Ah, I shouldn't go in cuz especially the thing that stinks is uh you can't eat inside. So you're mm-hmm. left here holding your goddamn burrito in your hand. In your other hand, you got your hot sauce and you can't have nowhere to sit." Mm. Why don't you bring a little squatty potty and you can sit outside and just in the alley sh- and just shit? Well, in one way and out the other, Jared. That's yeah. the way God intended. Uh, I feel like uh, I'd have to find somewhere to sit with that stool because I feel like other people beat me to that already. They without, might without the uh, squatty potty. They might definitely. I uh, I heard a story about that. I'll tell you off air about some guy shitting in a grocery store. It was pretty interesting. Uh, I'll just tease the fans out there with that wow. one. Oh yeah, they'll never get a follow up on. So, uh, <laughs> you, you, are you missing anything? About, uh, uh, regular well, life. Just to piggyback on yours, uh, I haven't had McDonald's in about two and a half months. And I know what people are going to say, McDonald's, that's not very fun. It's like, no, I know. But there's something appealing of garbage junk food where it's like sometimes, you know, like you want to watch shit movies or like TV because you're just like, yeah, it's easily take it in. I uh, The other day, I just really had craving for like fries and burgers. And it's like, I know I could go get it, but it's such a hassle. Kind of like you said, I was like, I'll just stay home, I guess, and not get it. And it's like, I just really want to get like eight burgers and just pile them in well when the uh economy opens up next thursday are you going to like get right in there you, you, uh, you're gonna you're gonna check out popeye's chicken and waffles that opened up the week of pandemic uh i will not be um but uh i mean other people can do whatever they want i guess uh no i i'm gonna i'm gonna hold steady and stay home until uh it seems appropriate to leave, but yeah, I miss burgers and I, I'm kind of with Justin. I'm a homebody too. Like I do have, uh, some friends that I hang out with in person and family that we do, uh, pretty regularly. So I miss that, but it's like, it's like, we'll do it when it's over. I'm, I'm not too, uh, too worried about it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Jer? Yeah. And Hey, I mean, the upside is like, I'm in more, uh, D and D role-playing games, things than I've, I've ever been in my life. So that's mm. one of the upsides. Yeah, you're a huge nerd, and uh, we hate you. This may come off as a strange question, but do you guys ever allow yourselves to get bored? Personally, I don't believe in such a thing since I'm constantly keeping myself uh, busy, and I Mm -hmm. actually find there's not enough time in the day to accomplish everything I would like to do. I would like to direct him to a uh, Instagram uh, post I made, I think, about a week ago. If uh, I know some people don't use Instagram, but uh, that's actually where we're probably most active out of anything and i made a antoine Danelle post about boredom but uh no i don't i don't really get bored either there's sometimes where i know i have stuff to do but i am lazy and i don't do it so that's is that being bored or is that just being lazy i find i get indecisive and i get overwhelmed mm. with options and then i wind up doing Same. nothing where i'm just like i should do, yep. uh, do I, uh, uh. actually the worst sometimes is actually right before recording the pod uh mm. is yep. that I'm like, I can't start anything. Mm-hmm. I, I've got like an hour and 15 minutes maybe. And it's like, huh, I can't watch mm-hmm. a movie. Uh, I still need to eat. So what do, mm-hmm. I, what do I do with that like hour? Like, um, like yep. no, it's, uh, that's when I find it's like the most frustrating. It's a real curse, man. No. And it's like, it's so I don't know, you, you try to find something to do meaninglessly on YouTube, which is why sometimes 10 minute videos are great. Yeah. 
Uh, no, I, I'm, I, I get that a ton too, where it's uh, indecisiveness. It's like, should I read this book that I pretend I'm, uh, I'm reading? Should I watch a half of a movie? Should I watch a TNG? Should I just sit here and look at the cat's butt? I don't know. You know what I mean, Jerem? It's tough. No, no one else is going to look at that cat's butt if you don't. Well, you remember that hit line from Wayne's World, don't you? No. He says he's gonna stay home and lick the cat's butt, but I didn't want to use that kind of profanity. This is a family podcast. Also, what are your sleeping habits? I pride myself with being mm. late to bed, then wake up as late as I can get away with in the mornings kind of guy. For example, I wanted to finish Rome Polanski's test last night, so I went ahead and stayed up until 3 a.m. to do so. And it's been Ugh. much easier to stay up that late recently with not having to wake up bright and early to take the kids to school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm like somewhere around a, at this point, I go to bed around 2 a.m., uh, if I'm like busy doing something and then wake up around nine, 2 a.m. Like night, like every night you stay up until 2 a.m. Yeah. You're fucking mad, man. You guys are all crazy. You're all nuts. And like friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, he stays up late too, like gaming or watching movies and he's got a bunch of kids and it's like, I, I can't even imagine it because I don't know how you guys do it. I don't have any kids and I have few responsibilities at the moment and uh if i don't get like 10 hours of sleep <laughs> i'm a big of shit i like i, I don't I, know what it is I, yeah you, this has been like a thing for a long time this isn't a recent thing you 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 and your oh. 10 hours it's like yep. what was that i don't think that's healthy <laughs> maybe i maybe i have a serious medical condition jared and i'm just really tired maybe i'm diabetic <laughs> um yeah i i don't know so like it's not always 10. I can't, uh, I can't say, wait to like, I hope that uh, like a medical professional is actually listening to this. And then in the next week, we're going to get uh, an email saying, yeah, uh, that's not healthy at all. Arjun needs to be looked at. <laughs> I I will say, so like when I'm working and I, I'm really busy in the day, then I'll, I'll definitely get like, try to get as much sleep as I, I can. It's not usually 10. I'd say like eight hours for sure. Right now, I'd say I'm closer to about eight hours, but it's also because uh I'm staying up later than normal, but I'm also getting woken up around the same time because my cat wakes me up every morning at like 6 30, 7 a.m. Mm, yes. That's... And I'll go back to sleep for an hour, but there it does that. take takes an hour out of my wake up because uh she's a little fucking monster. She'll like scratch at the walls until I wake up just to be awake. <sighs> she doesn't even want food. She just wants me to be awake, Jared. I love her, but she's driving me crazy. <laughs> All right already. On to the movie topics. Do you guys ever walk out of movies at the theater? Personally, I will mm-hmm. always stick a movie out to the end. Otherwise, I will miss something. I hated that would be. I hated that would be good to put in my letterbox review. The mm-hmm. only time I can recall having to leave a movie was when my oldest son was two years old and I took him to see Rio 2. I mistakenly took him during spring break and the theater was packed mm-hmm. and we ended up having to leave because he was running wild around the theater. Oh, that's a pretty active two-year-old. Mm-hmm. I have found mm-hmm. that three is around the age when you can start bringing kids to the theater, <laughs> unless you're my parents. But my mm-hmm. worst experience was when I took my youngest son to the theater in the first for the first time to see the latest Grinch movie. He was acting crazy, so I put him up on my shoulders and stood near the entranceway, and he proceeded to throw up on my head. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> there is nice. that. There's a really good uh, meme ad I think I saw of a child vomiting on his, I'm assuming, mother's head, and it was an ad for uh, Durex condoms. Oh, is that uh, your brand? I, I don't know. 
Uh, this is internet memes. Just internet memes? Okay, that's pretty neat. I like uh, funny, ironic things, too. Ha. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, I think it's funny when kids puke on uh, other uh, adults' heads. I, I, I have a, like, uh, I've, I've never walked out of a theater movie before. I've been I, very, I've, there's, there's been a couple times I have thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did leave splits uh, it's like five seconds before the credits started <laughs> or like 20 seconds because it was like that post credit the end credits you were walking out of the theater as it was going where Bruce Willis pops up at the end and I had to sit down and go oh yeah. <laughs> I, I remember you walking away fingering the, the movie theater <laughs> yeah, uh, that, screen yeah that, that's 100% true <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh there is a, a movie I, I walked out of with my boy Ham we um we went to see Avatar uh and we it was the second time we had already seen uh, it and we were like I don't know we were an hour in or something and we we're like this movie stinks and we just left you realized it on the second viewing <laughs> yeah we were well yeah because we were kind of just like well all the it was at it at the second run theater at this point all the kind of like buzz had like semi kind of died down and we're like let's go back let's see if it's still good and then uh, we were like, oh, it's not not very good. So we just left. So that's one. That's one. Yeah I, yeah, I remember I think the first time in my life I ever thought about walking out of a theater was Lethal Weapon 4. Ooh. Uh, as well as I remember getting, I was apparently, I don't know, I was probably being really annoying because we were, I was with some uh, friends and we were watching Charlie's Angels. And I was just like shit talking the movie the entire time. One of my friends yeah. said, like, why, why don't you just go? <laughs> and I was like, no. I'm here. I want to watch the fucking movie. <laughs> You're like, I paid my admission. I'm here. Yeah. We, uh, I, I've never been asked to leave a movie theater, but there was one time that, uh, people were pretty upset with us. I, again, it was with my buddy ham meet. Yeah. We were saying Batman begins. I think it was like, I'm not even kidding. I think it was like the fifth time we saw it in theaters. So we were kind of like just joking around and stuff like that. And, uh, some dude was just like, guys, he's like, come on. And we're like, <laughs> We're like, okay, sorry. <laughs> we were only 16, though, you know? Like, what are you going to do, right, yeah, Jared? That's that's when you're little assholes. Yeah. We we, we, we listened. So good. apparently, like, I was really badly behaved as a kid when it came to <gasps> the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents, like, just refused to bring me because I wouldn't <laughs> stop talking. And I don't remember this. I have no idea what the first movie I would have seen was. I Probably like, some animated thing. And mm-hmm. my parents were they're kind of anxious people. And I think the, the idea of bringing me along uh, was just like not a great idea. But um, at some point, I think I, I would have been uh, seven until I was finally mm-hmm. allowed to go to a movie and my aunt had to bring me. And that was to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. You probably ruined that for a bunch of people too, well, didn't you? I, I think at that point, little bastard. I, I think by that point I was better behaved because there's a lot of warnings. You guys, you, mm. you can't talk. You cannot talk. If you go to the theater, you cannot talk. I don't yeah. know. Who knows? Uh, and then shortly after that, it would have been Super Mario Brothers. Ooh, that's pretty cool. And then eventually, my dad was okay with bringing me to movies, and I'd see such mm-hmm. classics as Terminator Two, Robin Hood. Teenage men in Ninja tights? Turtles 2. Eventually, I would see uh, Robin Hood, uh, Men in Tights, for my okay. birthday. Uh, whenever, Ooh, that's whenever. a good birthday present. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then every year, uh, actually, me and uh, old Lawrence would go see movies on my birthday. Ooh. Like Apollo what? 13. Ooh. Uh, uh, well, so, the, the Frighteners, that sort of thing. 
you don't like where your birthday is on the calendar, but it's actually a not bad movie release time because you're get, you're at the back end of the summer releases and the start of some of the fall things. So it's not a bad time for movies. I, I well, I mean, August is the dumping ground, but usually at that mm-hmm. point, movies hung around theater longer. Yeah, and then and often I would have my birthday a little earlier than my birthday because it was like always on the weekend of going back to school. Yeah, and no one would come because no one wanted to be at that one kid's house a week before school. And, like, everyone was on vacation still, and no one was around, right, Jared? Yeah, really, yeah. real sad shit. It is, yeah. So uh, you, your parents and Sam Sanchez's parents should have had better uh, foresight yeah, and uh, should have planned that out a little bit better. I guess so, and then named us better. They should have. Yeah. Did you know kids that are born earlier in the year have uh, both academic and athletic advantages to other kids? That January to March is uh, the sweet spot to be born. That's what they tell them. As you can clearly see. Go to movie question of the week. What is your huh? greatest of all time Robin Williams movie? I would go with either Aladdin or Mrs. Doubtfire, but I keep hearing that the world according to Garp is real good. The World According to Garp. Yeah. You never heard of that movie? I've heard of it. I've never seen it, though. Me neither. Is it? Is it in fact good? I have no idea. Uh, what about The Birdcage? That's a pretty good show. I've uh, never seen it. What? Okay, I'm going to hit you with something crazy. I could say something like Mrs. Doubtfire or Jack because those are all-time favorites yeah, of mine. Yeah, movies that you've mentioned many times many here times. on the podcast. I could say those, would but you, I won't. Would you say something starring Dustin Hoffman? I wouldn't. Uh, Hook It could also be one of my favorites. What, I'm not going to um, say that, though. What about a say- movie starring Jonathan Hyde and Kirsten Dunst? Jonathan Hyde and Kirsten Dunst? Is that what is that? Jumanji. 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 Jumanji is a good show. Flubber's pretty I, good too. Who I, wrote I, Flubber I, again? I I had the uh, Jumanji board game. Was it? Did bad shit happen when you played it? Sadly not. Um, no, Bill no, Walsh no, and John Hughes. No, rhino, wrote Flubber. No, no uh, rhinoceroses came riding through my living room. That's too bad for you. Uh, I'm going to, so I could say all those movies. I'm not going to, Jared. One thing about Death to Smoochie, though, is uh, when did that come out? 2002? Uh, I, which I also saw in theater. That's too bad for you. Directed by our, <laughs> our close friend, Danny DeVito. Uh, I was a big Robin Williams guy when I was a kid. I, this movie came out when I was 12, and uh, I had to get it. And I got it, and I was like, what the fuck is this thing? I was like, I'm 12. I want Jack and Jumanji. I don't know what this is. And uh, I've had a grudge against it ever since. Jacob the Liar? Don't I've seen that, actually. There you I go. don't remember it very well, but I've seen it. My favorite Robin Williams movie is Awakenings, which uh, from, I think, Criteria... No, she's not. But from famed director Penny Marshall. That's right. That movie is wicked good, and, uh, you know, maybe one day it'll be in the Criterion Collection. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I, I bet it... It's. I think that's a... a ripe movie for criterioning i just found a movie i'm gonna to send to your uh on your facebook and to me yep okay yeah this has got robin williams in it not as a actor but as himself as himself sounds sad let me see this get bruce Oh my, is this a movie about you and your life? <laughs> it's a documentary. On Affectionate the... tribute to Bruce Valanche <laughs> slash Jarrett Duncan, 
That's right. Jarrett Duncan looks like Bruce Valanche. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. I think, Jared. I think I've seen this movie. This docu, this documentary this, thing. Yeah, I think I've seen this thing. Maybe that's why I think you look like Bruce Valanche so much. So much. I don't know. Well, you do. Like, <laughs> come on. You got you got the hair. It's it's all there. Finally, I recently had an excellent triple feature movie night where I watched M, Peeping Tom, and Django Unchained all in the same night. What are some memorable multiple movies in one night for you? By the way, your episode on M was great. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Multiple. I, I know they exist. Actually, I kind of I don't even remember this exactly, but it was like watching Ninja Assassin, which mm-hmm. was not so great. Watching mm-hmm. Hobo with a Shotgun, which mm-hmm. I put a smile on my face near the end. Yeah. And uh, following that up with Troll Hunter. Hey, Troll Hunter is a great movie. Yeah, yeah, Troll Hunter is. Uh, it's too bad his cool. follow up wasn't as good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a good night. I mean, th- th- I, that's, that's no M peeping Tom Django and Chain, but uh, right. I um, I'm kind of with you. I know that these things existed. I mean, I, I, I took a point of pride. Like when I would have friends over, like when friend of the show Ryan Nagel or my other friend Taylor would come over for sleepover, I would go to the video store. I would rent three movies that I knew were just all time slaps, all time bangers. Jerry, 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 Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, uh, things like that. And like, I don't know, like two, three movies that like, I just knew wouldn't disappoint things like can't hardly wait. And, uh, fuck, I don't know what else just can't hardly wait like three, three, four times in a night, maybe. So back in 2014 for my, mm-hmm. on my birthday, uh, we watched some pro wrestling. We watched in fact, Ooh. WWE, no mercy, 2004, uh, nice. with JBL uh, as a reigning champion. I gave that one star, mm-hmm. uh, followed that up with Double Team. And then the next day, I watched a couple of 90s movies by myself. And then that evening, I watched with Corey and Lawrence, Mr. Majestic, <sighs> followed by 10 to Midnight, mm-hmm. followed by Kinjit, Forbidden Subjects. Uh, I don't. I don't know uh, that last one. That's because uh, it's not. It's definitely a lesser Bronson. But right. uh, yeah, that was a, that was a hell of a night. Is right there. Hmm. Yeah, I'm unaware of <clears throat> said movie or movies for that matter. What about your favorite Chevy Chase movie, Jarrett? Whoa, 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 whoa! Why <laughs> have I? Have you not seen Ten to Midnight? No. Oh good oh i i know of it oh it's got oh my god my god i i know of this movie that's why when you said it, i was like yeah i know that movie but i've never seen it rj holy shit i know uh you know when the kids say it just went from six to midnight sometimes i say it went from 12 to midnight do you uh, get it what is this now to the other side of the coin have you ever watched multiple movies in a night and they all sucked I oh, had that freak. experience when I watched Future Creep, The Lure, back-to-back with Sexy Beast. <laughs> Thanks for the time, guys, and have a great show. Huh. Sexy Beast, hey? He didn't like a uh, very tan... Ray Winstone? Uh, very, very, yeah, oh, very and, tan. Oh, and, oh yeah. Uh, roasting. Roasting. Boiling <laughs> out here. It's uh, Jonathan Glazer, Under the Skin, baby. It is. One of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Depressing? That movie bummed me out like crazy. I don't know what it is. 
Uh, that movie made me real sad, though, for some reason. Huh. Really bummed me out. I don't know. Uh, that was like, kind of like the heyday of like these uh, kind of uh, er, like that early 2000s British gangster movies that were around. Mm. Sexy Beast, Gangster Number One, the Guy Ritchie, uh, like Lockstock and Snatch mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, Sexy Beast. What do you? What would you take, Sexy Beast or Snatch? At this point? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to, I'm kind of scared. To, like Snatch is one of those movies I'm afraid to rewatch. Yeah, because I don't feel like that that the gimmickry has aged well at all. Right. In fact, I think I maybe did try rewatching it, and it was like, oh. But I loved Snatch when it first came out. Fuck, I saw that movie three times in theater. Big nerd. Hey, you know what you should watch instead? Actually, while we're on it, is a uh, um, the Guy Ritchie classic, King Arthur. Oof. You know, you should. Or, or, it's a good show. The Gentleman? Uh, no, watch the King Arthur movie he made. No. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. There's too many nights of like bad movies over and over and over again. Um, yeah. So, I, I, yeah. It seems like often in May. Oh, really? That's weird. Yeah. I wonder what that's... I wonder what that's about, man. Whoa. Talking through burps. Cool. Strange. <laughs> what? <laughs> huh? Huh? Okay. What? Frank Solano. Oh, he's here too? He showed up. All right. Uh, them good old days. Hey there, old dogs. Hope you boyos are having a dandy week and staying safe. So mm-hmm. I listened to episodes 8 through 10, and here Oof. are our standout moments. Uh, episode 8, a very RJ shenanigan-heavy episode. What? What? Why? What did I do? RJ almost quits the pod over a lady at work who put honey in her coffee. I still don't understand that. If you do that, you're a maniac. Why would you put honey in coffee? That doesn't make sense. RJ claims to have witnessed a group masturbation session behind the Pizza Hut, though these claims mm-hmm. are unsupported by any follow-up statements or evidence. Uh, how would he like them to be supported? RJ, Big Daddy's coming back <laughs> Big Daddy's coming down to Leathertown. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> what, what movie were we watching that I, week? I, I feel like you might have just said it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to write that down. That's good. Oh, man. <laughs> Whew, that's a good one. Episode 9, The Stolen Cupcake Incident. RJ also claims to have had his own work desk again. But again, these claims are unsupported. Job may very well be a delusion only existing in his head. Uh, no, so that wasn't... Um, I, I actually do remember that one. The desk was... That was when I was doing my master's, and I did have a desk. I had an office, even. And uh, yeah, someone did steal my cupcake. Someone stole that shit. It was their place for me. I, I never knew. And someone came later. They said, did you get your cupcake? I said, what cupcake? And they're like, we left one on your desk for you. It was bullshit. It happened. Um, RJ's quote here is, never rub another man's rhubarb. You know what movie that's from, Jer? The Batman. The Batman, indeed. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, this episode is great for showcasing Jared's first ever rant. On the topic of Rob Zombie films, and then Oof. also the first instance of multiple rants on the topic of the defense of Walkabout. Hmm. The defense of Walkabout. Uh, I, yeah, I guess. You a big fan of that movie or what? I wasn't, I wasn't a fan, but I think that was like obviously the uh, the first time that 
animal brutality had occurred mm. in the timeline. It's also one of the rare, that's the rare thing where I didn't even watch the movie that week. Do you <laughs> the, remember that? The, the rare occasion? The rare occasion and not the thing that happens every week. <clears throat> Episode 10. Jared mm-hmm. suggests RJ should videotape children in the opening monologue, as RJ would and mm. did put it, shameful. It still is shameful. <laughs> Has it changed? Uh, that Like your opinion that I should do that? I, I hope so. I, I think I suggested. It's not an opinion. I oh. think it would work out great. Okay. The first ever listener email arrives <gasps> with regards from one Mr. Oliver Granger. Props to mm-hmm. Oliver for sticking with the show since the start of the show. Yeah, I, I think it was a bad call on his end. I think he had a better oh, use of his ep- time. Episode but... 10. Oof. Pretty good. So that would have been hot off of Walkabout that he emailed in. Yeah. Also, RJ's first mention of Sister Act 2. See? These trends, man. It's yeah. it's almost like I have nothing better to talk about than the same old stuff. Honestly, it was fun to revisit the first 10 episodes. So many little instances of brilliance from both parties. There's a reason the show has been named the greatest and only Criterion podcast on planet Earth. It's a funny mm-hmm. thing, though, considering there will never be proper Criterion sponsorship, considering all the times you guys shit talk some other choices. But that's okay. Maybe they should pick better movies. Hey, you mean it's still hit and miss. Uh-huh. Speaking uh-huh. of Oliver, I meant to bring this up before, but I guess I'll bring it up now since his like of my Spider-Man 2 review, talking straight, clenched superhero ass cheeks, and it what? reminded me, so here it is, what are your thoughts on The Adventures of Hall Monitor? If it had a letterbox page, somebody mm-hmm. should get on that. I give it that legendary five-star rating, reserved for only the best of the best, like in the mood for love and capes. That bit with the principal was amazing, and maybe one day in the near future, we could have a crossover of sorts. Just imagine, Alligator Man versus the Hall Monitor. Outstanding. And Oliver is obligated to reprise his role. It's in the contract, Ollie. Sorry, bud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where is the uh, Letterboxd uh, review uh, segment for logging the adventures of Hall Monitor? I think that's a good point. Uh, this was brought to my attention by Mr. Frank Santoro himself. So uh, it's something that uh, I, I, for one, wish I could log, but you know. uh, it's never going to happen, I guess. And well, looks like I had to scrap that idea from a few weeks back about alternate oh. film premises. Seems that there was no way to condense it without sacrificing certain freedoms. So this week, I just have a pair of questions for you. If you had an idea for a comic book, no matter how ridiculous, and two of your favorite artists were contractually obligated, always the, always contra- contracts with Frank, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. obligated to do the artwork, which two artists would you force into that scenario? Contractually obligated? Yeah. Uh, Wait, did he say just the artists or what the just, comic? Just the artists on any idea of your comics. Who would you like to work with, essentially? Uh, Jeff Lemire and Mike Mignola. 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 How's that sound, Jer? Sounds great. Uh, and, yeah. and a follow-up question, if the artists also contractually obligated to work for you for the rest of their lives, would you have mm-hmm. them draw the entirety of your lives into a series of comics? No. <laughs> uh, I would say yes, but I'd get Seth MacFarlane to do it. That's all for tonight, folks. Have a good one. Um, comic artist I would get to draw. Frank Quitely, I think, comes to mind. Mo- Moebius is dead. Uh, Quitely still around. I don't know. I don't know if I'd subject um, like a Daniel Klaus or anything like that to doing anything. But Al Columbia, there you go. What about uh, who's that guy who can't draw feet? Rob Liefeld's the job. Yeah. 
Well, not even just Rob Liefeld. Wasn't there another one who drew a lot of Scott Lobdell comics? Brett Booth? Maybe it was Brett Booth. What about Seth MacFarlane? Would you like him to draw your life? No. You don't want like some Wildcats and some Jim Lee in there too? Just sprinkled on top? No. <laughs> hmm. What about me? Can I draw your life, Jarrett? Can you draw my life? You could. Uh, hmm. That's a, that's a different challenge, I guess. That's a yeah. different big boy rides kind of challenge. We'll get to that another day, I suppose. We'll get there. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, that's it for emails. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Well, I've been going for like an, over an hour talking Jeez. to this. Hey, RJ, what you been creeping on this week? Shows. Cool. Uh, I, I would be – I'd be uh, – Remiss not to talk about cursed films, even if only briefly, for a friend of the show and Sam Sanchez. So I, this was one thing that I think I, in passing, I mentioned. I was like, I don't think it's very good. And then uh, when he was on, he was like, I think you should give it an. Or he asked me how much of it I'd seen, and I saw said the first two episodes out of, I think it's five. And he was like, you should watch the other ones because I think uh, apparently there was something that happened like. Um, they were aired out of order because Shudder wanted to put The Exorcist and The Omen first because it matched up better with like what was available on Shudder or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense, whatever. Are you aware of cursed films, Jarrett? Uh, just in passing. You messaged me because I didn't even know what it was. You said cursed films on Shudder, and then you sent me a Adam Sandler blowing a raspberry thumbs downing. Well, see, and that's where I had watched the first two. So I thought you would be interested in this because it's kind of in your wheel wheelhouse. It's that Jay Chill guy. I've never listened to that podcast. I just know Sam Sanchez is a fan. Uh, and that guy's like pretty like popular, I think, on the Letterboxd and stuff like that. Jay Chill? Like Chill? C-H-E-E-L. Okay, 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 yeah. I don't know how you say it, but Jay Chill? Chill? Whatever his name is. So he made this show. And it's about alleged cursed movies. So the, I think the rundown is The Exorcist, The Omen, Poltergeist, uh, The Crow, and then The Twilight Zone are the ones that uh, they talk about. Okay. So I watched the first two and I really didn't like it because the uh, first one was Exorcist. And it's like I, I've heard all those stories before and they're cool. And I was like, yeah, OK. Like I, I, I know why they like – what happened on the set and what they were filming and whatever. Uh, and then the next one was the omen and they talked about it. And like some of this stuff is interesting too, but both of these episodes had this like gimmick in it that, uh, I was like really turned off by. And and then it doesn't happen again later. So like, I don't know why they did it for those two, but in the exorcist episode, they get an exorcist to come on and do like an exorcism. And I was like, I really, I was like, they're really padding time on here. Cause it was like eight minutes out of a half an hour episode. And I was like, why is this even in here? Like, well, why, why are they even doing this? And then in the omen, they get a black magician or like a dark magician, whatever. I think it's called black black magician or whatever he like comes on and talks about like black magic and like cursing films and stuff like that and then they get him to curse a film and i was like i find this shitty for for like two reasons (laughs) and i was like number one if they if they genuinely believe this then it's like then they're just putting out like a ton of bad like mojo into the world and i was like that's shitty on one end and then i was like the other end which is probably more likely is that they're just making fun of this guy and it's like, and that's kind of shitty too, because it's like they just pull this guy on just to like make fun of him. So I was like, that's where I stopped. I was like, I'm I'm done with this fucking show, whatever. Uh, but he encouraged me to keep going, and uh, 
the other episodes are actually pretty good. Like uh, the crow one is really good because I knew the story of what happened in the crow, but this one does cover it in kind of like more detail about like what happened. And I was like, that's really interesting. Uh, you get the poltergeist uh, one. That one's pretty sad because they talk about that girl who died. And then uh, a lot of the stuff about how the uh, the skeletons were real skeletons. And, and the guy's kind of like, fuck off. And he's like, did you know that these movies used real skeletons? And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. So that's kind of cool. Your buddy Ryan Turek shows up uh, in uh, as a talking head for a couple of those. Um, those ones were uh, quite a bit better. Uh, and then uh, you get the Twilight Zone one, which is great. Uh, and Sam recommended it for you, too, because it is just kind of a burying of John Landis about how he is just like a huge piece of shit. And uh, they even get Lloyd Kaufman on there because apparently this Jay Cheel guy like has stated many times that his dream job is to do a documentary on like Lloyd Kaufman trauma. Uh, and apparently this is like as close as he can get right now. And just Lloyd Kaufman basically being like, He'd be like, hey, if I was John Landis, I would have fucking killed myself because of what happened. And he's like, and I, I still think he should. And uh, so if you're not aware of the Twilight Zone stuff, you can watch the cursed films, I guess. But uh, that one was really good because it's like, you know what? This whole Landis family is just just bad news, Jared. So anyways, that's uh, Sam was right. Those last ones are better. But uh, those first two, I think, are completely skippable because they uh, they really turned me off of uh, the show. I was like, I don't like this at all. Does that interest you at all, Jer? One of these days. One of these days. All right. So do you want to hear about some Star Trek? Yeah, I, yeah I want to hear about three through six. Okay. So search for Spock, baby. This is the big one. Not really. But uh, we got Leonard Nimoy in the directing seat. Uh, I think that this one's got some real fine artisan film craft to it. Uh, so it starts out and you're getting a little recap of the ending of Rathacon. And it's in this little picture box that's like far away and you start zooming in. And it's like monochrome color and like the sound is a little distorted because it's a memory, Jarrett. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, Leonard Nimoy's got some fancy ass filmmaking. God damn. And I was into it. Uh, I actually think Search for Spock's okay. Uh, so what happens in this one is uh, they're looking. It's like I kind of like these movies that they do continue the stories where it's like this is just like a continuation of the story. Yep. Uh, and uh, they're like, oh, shit, we, we caused a lot of problem with that Genesis planet. But Spock's body's out there. And now his dad wants him. We better go get that body we shot out into space. So they go, you get into some trouble with some, uh, all Klingons are ever present in all these movies as the big baddie, which is cool. And, uh, they go search for Spock. You get Spock through the ages, which is neat. I would say, uh, this one, disagree. I think it's neat. This one's kind of fading from my memory a little bit, to be honest with you. I remember thinking it was fine when I watched it though. Christopher Lloyd. Oh, Christopher Lloyd is a Spock. You get the first alien dog in a search for Spock as his like sidekick. But there's a real sad scene where the dog dies and Christopher Lloyd is holding the dog's head to his head. And I was just like, Whoa, I was like, that's some sad shit. So I I wasn't expecting that thing. Uh, You get really good fighting, which I know you're a fan of really well choreographed (laughs) fighting from uh, Will Shatner and uh, Uh, on the hell planet on the hell planet. That's exploding. Yeah. So that's, it's all, super neat uh i think search for spock is fine and, and what about and, it what about kirk's son oh it's uh it's not okay so kirk's son i don't really care about whatever but he, there's a really david is this david? Yeah, yeah 
Yeah, he's fine. Uh, like I, I have no opinions against him because I don't think they overplay him or anything like that. But one thing that's really funny is in the next movie, Kirk has like a framed picture of him, and there's just like this extended shot of Kirk holding it, and I was like, that's really funny. That's I, I, I gotta double check, Doctor David Marcus. Yeah, that's right. I was like, what's yeah. his last name? Yeah, Marcus, yeah. So you one thing that's really strange too, so Andrea watched like one episode of uh, Star Trek, uh, the original series with me, where it was like the, I think it was the black and white guys. Oh <laughs> like God, they're, that, they're, yeah. Uh, like, and she just came down and I was like, I was like, I don't know if this episode is any good. It was either that one or somewhere else. But in that episode, like uh, Kirk threatens to blow up the ship because it's getting taken over. Oh. Uh, and then she she came down and watched Search for Spock. Yeah. And then they do the, the yeah. blow up, like the self-destruct thing again. And she was just like, is this all this fucking show is? And I was like, I, I was like, there were 60 episodes of the original series. I was like, this is the third movie. It's only ever happened twice. And you've just somehow been present for both of these, these like happenings. So it was, it was kind of strange. Sure. Huh. It's kind of strange, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought search for Spock was fine. Like, I mean, I think they're all from here on from three to six. I think they're all around the same level of uh, enjoyment for me. Okay. So uh, I don't know if you have anything to add about little kid Spock or. No, I, I, yeah, I was, I was thought the re-aging Spock stuff was like really stupid. Even as a kid, it's just like, I, cause they, they all they're trying to do is like get him back to Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. And yeah. Like, and yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, why, why does he wind up like looking older? <laughs> like, you because know, they, they didn't turn years, it off in time. Two years you know? older than uh, when he was previous. He's a Vulcan. It's just it's just how science I works. Dude. I I know I know it's, it's just science. I know I know. And but then, yeah, and I hate like I thought I always found that the like the fighting at the end with the Hell Planet falling apart. It looks kind of like a uh, an eighties Roger Corman movie. Yep, it very, does. Very uh, cheap looking. It's a bit of a step down from the first two for sure. Yeah. For sure, but uh, so and like so. Here's what I'll say. So the like enterprise. I, so the enterprise is blown up. Enterprise blows up. And now, they, now, uh, now, they, now they've got a uh, a Klingon, Klingon ship. Warbird. or whatever those are it's called. Not the bird of prey. Bird of prey. No. Yeah, they got a Klingon bird of prey, and um, so I think. So it's like I said, three to six, I get like the same enjoyment out of all of them. Like some, there's some bad moments in all of them, but there's some good stuff in all of them too. So yeah, you get Enterprise blows up. They're in the bird of prey and then they take Spock back to Vulcan. And I actually kind of really like the way this one ends and then four begins because four, they're like, it's the re-education of Spock where you see him doing the Vulcan training right. where he's taking like six tests at a time, which I think JJ Abrams really cling like latched onto for his, uh, his reboot. But I actually do think that that's cool. So I, I liked seeing that. Uh, and then we get uh, the voyage home, Jarrett. Do you voyage remember the home. voyage home? I, I do. This is the one. So they, the, this is the one they played on TV the most. Oh, okay. Well, that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, voyage home is really funny for a few different reasons. It's weird. It starts out like Kirk and everyone are war criminals because uh, of what they did, and they have the footage from the movie of the Enterprise of the enterprise blowing up. And it's like, how did they get that? It's like outside footage of the enterprise. And I know what people are going to say. They're like, well, the Klingon bird of prey was there. It's like, yeah, but like, this just got a camera. I don't know. Weird. So this one, Jared, they're going back to earth. They're like, whatever. We'll, uh, we'll stand up for our crimes. 
who gives a shit? He's like, I'm Kirk. I can talk my way out of stuff. They go and Earth is under attack by an alien. Everyone is like dying. And uh, they translate a code and it's uh, a whale, Jared. But but, uh, whales no longer exist on Earth. They are extinct. So uh, when you mentioned the TNG um, dolphin uh, like bridge, I think it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. So uh, Kirk gets the bright idea. He's like, okay, they're speaking in whale. We better go back in time to uh, get a whale to bring it back here because that's the only it's the only real real way to fix this, Jerry. You know, the only way. The only way. Uh, I think it's really funny how easy time travel is. And just I know go, like the whole, just go warp 10 around the sun, warp 10 around the sun and then you're there. And it's like and you're, it's dare, like, and if, you're dare. <laughs> you're dare, man. Just Maybe like it's just that. it's just like Superman. Yeah, it is. I, I find it, it's like, it's like common knowledge to them. They're like, well, I mean, we can do it. Theor- but, and there's theoretically like, possible, but perhaps the ship might just explode. And But they're all like, sure, whatever. And then even after that, there's like, there's no real, like, um, none of them are like, there's no consequence to what they do. They even bring someone back with them, which kind of like really shits on that, uh, uh, the most famous original series episode about like consequences of you know going back in time and stuff like that this one they're like whatever who gives a shit kirk Kirk didn't want to go through that a second time no so they just like bring this broad with them they're like fine the whales were already gonna be like out like killed so i think this one's good because of its strong animal rights message Jarrett. uh there's there's like actual footage of like whalers and i wasn't expecting that i was like whoa like just showing like whales get slaughtered. You're hey, like Nimoy wanted his message to be felt. I get it, and I'm on board with it. I I like it, man. Uh, I also think it's super funny. Uh, the whales get released back out into the wild, and the whalers are right there, like in the San Francisco Bay, waiting for them. And they're <laughs> like they're just right there. They're like we're gonna get those fucking whales. And I was like get that whale meat. <laughs> we're gonna get the whales. And I was like okay, man, whatever. Uh, this one though has probably my most favorite scene out of anything i've seen in star trek and uh kirk and spock are touring the uh, like the aquatic zoo and uh they're getting a description of the whales and kirk's listening to the lady he's like oh yeah really interesting and then you hear a splash and then you he looks over and spock is just in the tank with the whales and he's just hugging it and i was like it's it's awesome jared it's one of the best things i ever saw it's the best the best so, uh, you got any uh, lingering thoughts on the voyage home? Uh, apparently, I have a review. What did I write back then? Oh, that's you. I have nothing. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I know you have something to say about the final frontier, wow. aka Star Trek V, the sampling of the beans. Oh, bourbon and beans. Bourbon and beans. And then Spock goes, I will sample the beans uh this one i also call tony robbins versus the wizard of oz because uh that's kind of how i saw it playing out you get the introduction of spock's brother Mm -hmm. you got space boots cyborg cyborg uh this is directed by our boy bill shatner himself and uh i am i to understand that you're quite a fan of this movie i fans strong but i think this movie is much better than people give it credit for Mm mm-hmm I think it's actually, I, think so. I think it's a very enjoyable movie. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I think it's fine compared to all these other ones too. Like, like I know people like to make fun of it, but I was like, I don't see a problem. Like, I know the space boots are goofy, and uh, <laughs> like the camping scene is goofy, 
Row, row, row your boat. Row, row. Oh, so, so it's so it's memorable. Goofy, but still, it, it, uh, I don't uh, know. There's always been this uh, thought about how uh, Bill Shatner wanted to make this just to embarrass James Dohan. Just make him make him more and more stupid, like banging his head on uh, corridors. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I'd say out of all the people who aged the most, uh, James Dohan is the one who aged the most. Visually. Uh, visually, yeah. I mean, but, but he, he settles into a look and runs with it. Before I even ever saw Star Trek, I think it was on Simpsons where there's the they make fun of the, how old they are and it's Scotty and he can't touch the buttons because he's too fat. And then I remember when I started watching the original series, I was like, "Whoa, Scotty's not fat at all." I was like, "What's what's this about?" And then you know, but that's just aging, man. It happens to all of us. Who knows what kind of horrible things are going to happen to you and me when we age? Exactly. You might prolapse like uh, that that uh, David O. Russell movie that I watched a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah, I think Final Frontier is fine. It's no big deal. And then we get to the triumphant return return of uh, our boy Nicholas Meyer in the undiscovered country with Jarrett. Nobody told me that Worf is in this bad boy, but he's like not real. He's like not Worf. He's a lawyer. Yeah, but it but it's Michael Dorn and his yes. name is Worf, and uh, I don't know. I'm they I guess whoever was they're just like yeah that's Worf. Let's throw him in here. You also get Christopher Plummer, another Canadian icon. Oh yeah, I, I didn't want to spoil that one. Mm. I was uh, I also find it funny like his makeup because I I think he was very like he must have just been like I'll do it, but I want the least amount of makeup possible because it's just like a line on his forehead with like a bald cap, which makes sense to me. I mean, he's a big actor. He probably doesn't want to sit in a makeup chair for like hours a day. And you got to really uh, dig into his uh, Shakespeare vault. Oh yeah. This, yeah, this one's definitely a, this is a big Shakespeare one. They, they're quoting it all the time. Uh, reading right out of the book. Oh, he's, he's a learned Klingon. He's a learned Klingon. Yeah. He's even a, got a warrior plants. poet. Ooh, real good job. General Chang. General Chang. I find the Klingons funny because it's like, <laughs> I don't know where to start, but uh, this one's cool too. I also, so I wrote this in my review, but I, I figured they didn't think anyone was going to notice, but do you know David Warner from yeah. TMNT too, the scientist? And and, he's, and Star Trek V. And Star Trek V, yeah. So he's a human and he's a human in the fi- uh, Final Frontier, Star Trek five and in star truck six he's a klingon and i was like whoa you're just gonna recast david warner and not think anyone's gonna notice i was like i'm sure i'm not the only one who's noticed this before and i wasn't even looking for it sure they love that guy yeah anyways this one too uh i think this one's really good it's one of the better ones out of all uh yep. out of three to six um and i think one thing too is like even though i just started watching tng like i saw next generation when i was a kid like it was on all the fucking time this one kind of really reminded me of the show for some reason i don't really know why but i was like this reminds me of a uh, next generation for some reason maybe it's like the wardrobes or the set or something well, like that but the, the klingon start or like cling yeah the klingon makeup's changed yeah. yeah and it's it's more with what it consistently is for all of tng i'd say yeah. um this one's cool though it's like it's just like a political thriller you're just like, oh shit! You're like, is Kirk a flaming racist? Did he plot to do these things? And it's, uh, you know, it's it's tight, Jared. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Ugh. Shape, uh, and there's like the the shapeshifter. 
on the oh, yeah. snow planet with yeah. bones on the on the prison planet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, uh, Undiscovered Country is uh, real nice. I'd say, like, after after two, six is probably the best out of these ones. Maybe. I don't know. Three to six are all fine. If you're watching them, you're watching them. You know what I mean? You're watching them. And how, and you're how, watching and, them. And how goes TNG? Uh, I'm 10 episodes in. Okay. Uh, so it, it's good. Um, I like some of the characters so far, but I imagine that this first season stuff it might change a little bit um, for like how some of them are. I know Riker gets a goatee. So I, I imagine his personality is going to change a little bit. So it's a ways away. Uh, I, I like my boy data. I like uh Jordy of forge. I do wish Worf was more present. Uh, and can you tell me, is there any episodes where Worf just fucks people up? Cause that's what I'm really looking for. Uh, like well, I know you can't really. I can't remember, but much. I do. I do know that uh, eventually, like you're going to get like the Klingon beatdown. Like you're going to get like so much into the world of Klingondom because mm-hmm. we're some of the more popular characters. They do whole like storylines about Klingons because there's like yeah. there's you're going to see the Klingon Romulan War. Yeah, yeah, you're you're going to get all up into that, and then you're going to get introduced to Kardashians. Uh, we, so I've, uh, I've been at Kardashians, not Rob or Kim, but, uh, we did just get, uh, I've had two episodes on the Ferengi yeah. and I know you're a big fan of those guys. Oh, cause that's, that's the early days of the Ferengi when they're in the little barbarian outfits with their electric they're like, whips. They're like, uh, fur traders kind of. Yeah. Or they, 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 they describe them as something like Yeah. That. They completely change. I think by the time you see them next. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I liked their whips. I thought that was cool. They, no data describes them as uh, Yankee traders. Because they're always looking for deals. Well, that is that they keep. But yeah, those well, the way you first see them, uh, they don't look like that very soon. Well, and like they have that little like veil behind their head, and I'm guessing that's just to hide like uh, parts of the the real head. Yes. But I think I think they're cool. Like I actually really like their ears and they, stuff. They, they I think actually, they look good. Their makeup actually does get better because they do use that for a while, the veil yeah. on the back. But eventually, you do start seeing it without that. You see the whole thing, like cork. Quark and his and uh, his uh, mother. Oh, is Quark in DS Nine? Yeah, yeah, but okay. but actually, Armin Shimmerman is one of the original Frangi too, I believe. Yeah, he's one of the three. It's it's the same guy. It's still Armin Shimmerman. They but, just keep yeah, yeah. But I don't think Quark. Yeah, Quark is like specifically uh, DS Nine as a character. And then Worf is and, in DS Nine too, isn't he? Eventually. Yeah. Yeah, because they they yeah. need they need to boost those ratings. I have heard so. I uh, I recently have just been you know cruising these Star Trek webs. Oh yeah. A lot of people think DS Nine is the best of all of the series. I'd say overall it is. I mean, yeah. it's the most. What do you call it? I, I I so I actually I have a list of like I was keeping track of every episode when I was watching mm-hmm. DS Nine, and for the most part, like every episode does something. There's very few yeah. like outright bad episodes. I can't say the same as the case with Next Generation uh, or yeah. any even original series where there's something you're like, whoo, yeah. this, this is a, a, a skippable one. But yeah, yeah the, the highlight for you in season one is going to be, I think it's the second last episode. Uh, okay. Um, it's like, or it's like the 24th episode of the first season. Okay. It's called Conspiracy. That episode, oh, I've already given away too much. That episode you'll get to, and you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> if it's a crossover with the X-Files, I'm on board. 100%. It is not, but it is, uh, it's something else. 
Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Give, and there's actually yeah there's one other episode that I won't talk about because you'll get to it uh, so, <laughs> soon enough and then you'll be like oh my god it is a whole different show. Oh well, I'm I'm quite a ways away from there, yeah, because I got uh, seven seasons of TNG. Oh, this, I am, this I am is all, excited, this is though. the first season too. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm excited to get there, but uh, so we'll we'll talk about it when we get there, I guess. No, because it does sound like DS9 is awesome. TNG is good. I like it so far. Oh, Wesley Crusher Crusher is a huge piece of shit, and I hate him so much, so much. And I know he doesn't go away, and everybody hates him, but he fucking well, how, sucks. How do you feel about Jack Crusher? Do you like hearing about him? Uh, I don't know if that's ever come up yet. Really? Yeah. Old Jack Crusher? Why? Why her and uh, why well, Beverly I mean, and uh, John Luke are know each other so well? Because old oh, oh, Jack. Well, they they do like they talk about their history a little bit, but yeah. uh, I I, yeah, just, I, I always remember like this. I always felt like the Jack Crusher stuff, just like oh man, because the whole thing was like, well, John Luke, you could be like a surrogate father to Wesley. He really needs a dad. <laughs> and then Riker's kind of being like, well, I'll be cool, Uncle. And then mm-hmm. yeah, oh yeah. It's it's such bullshit with him because they're like we should let him on the bridge and Picard's like he's a little kid who gives a fuck it's like let him sit at, like in his room and then he's a uh, Riker's like yeah, yeah and Riker's like give him a chance and he's like Ugh. he sucks as a genius he's stupid uh-huh. I hate Wesley and I don't look like Will Wheaton I don't care how much people say that it doesn't matter so uh, yeah Wesley sucks ass Data Warp. <laughs> Jordy of a Forge. I like those three guys a lot. Those guys rule. Um, you, got, you got a man crush on them? Kind of. When you were a little kid, did you ever take your sister's like headband and put it like over your eyes so oh, you yeah. could pretend to – See, I didn't even know what Star Trek was and I was doing that just because you, you, you saw that image so much. Who doesn't like LeVar Burton, right? Who doesn't? You'd have to be yeah, a those... real monster. I think so. I think so. So I can't wait until I get to the Borg and uh, Data has sex with the – the Borg Queen, I I I saw that uh, Jonathan Frakes uh, did a like a live screening of First Contact the movie on IGN, and uh, I didn't watch it because I'm not there yet. But uh, I I did see the the big headline the next day was Jonathan Frakes uh, confirms that Data had sex with the Borg Queen, and I was like, oh, cool, something to look forward to, I guess. Hopefully, <laughs> drills her. I guess, like, is that part of the movie or? You'll, well, you'll see. Okay. You, you yeah. may, you'll you'll get a little bit of uh, data drilling. It's pretty quick, actually, if you haven't actually, already. It, second episode, uh, make, he make takes the... down uh, Lieutenant Yar. Tasha Yar, yeah. He's, Tasha full, Yar. He's, he's fully functional. Fully, yeah, she brought, brings him in and she's just like, yo, data, are you like fully stocked downstairs? And he's like, I'm full functional, baby. And she's like, all right, no. let's rip. No. So, uh, yeah, I was really surprised by that. I actually took a picture. I sent it to Ryan. Uh, so the thing, like, on Star Trek, it, like, the, the you know how they used to put the ratings up in the corner? Yeah. The rating for this was sex and fear for episode <laughs> two of TNG. And I thought that was really funny. I was like, sex and fear? It's like, wow, what is this episode? Because I think that's, is that episode like the Naked Now or something like that? Because yeah. in the first season, they do a lot of, like, throwbacks to the original series. Well, maybe it's the third episode. It's it's one of the first three yeah, episodes, right? Yeah. yeah so, sure uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, data data gets uh gets boning, and it's pretty wild. Damn. Wild man. Um. So, so uh, do you want to hear about anything else, or do you have anything to talk about? I think or? that's probably good for now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Cool. Yeah. I. I mean, I rewatched Ghost World today. How's that? 
Uh, awesome. Still, I mean, we'll get there, right? Yeah, still one of my favorite movies. So nice. Yeah, that works out pretty good. Uh, got any news? Uh, I thought I had some at one point, but uh, probably not. Why Kingdom of Heaven director's cut is one of Ridley Scott's best movies. Oof. Man, these news sites are really uh, digging deep at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to justify. Jeez. Yow. Whoa. Yeah, that's uh, that's about it, probably. Very well. Oh, uh, oh, Amazon Canada, you can rent movies now, but uh, guess what's not on there? Invisible Man. Of course. Of course. So, good stuff. What were you going to say? Uh, nothing. I was going to say, hey, let's talk about a, a movie. Okay, a good movie? In depth. What's sure. We're going to find out. All right. After the break, RJ and I escape a war only to be speared to death and thrown into a hole where we're going to have to record a podcast still. That is where the podcast is recorded. Down in the hole.
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking about Onibaba from 1964, directed by Kaneto Shindo. The tagline for this film, RJ. Mm-hmm. The most daring film import ever from Japan. Uh, do you think that's accurate, though? While her son, Kichi, is away at war, uh. a woman and her daughter-in-law survive by killing samurai who stray into their swamp, then selling whatever valuables they find. Both are devastated when they learn that Kaichi has died, but his wife soon begins an affair with a neighbor who survived the war, Haichi. The mother disapproves, and when she can't steal Haichi for herself, tries to scare her daughter-in-law with a mysterious mask from a dead samurai. That's uh, descriptive. Yeah, it's not bad. It Actually, it's uh, straight and to the point. So... RJ, I've uh, owned this movie on DVD since it came out in 2004, I guess. Okay. Uh, and I've only ever seen it once. And I okay. watched it like sometime shortly after I would have picked it up. Back in the days when I didn't just have piles and piles and piles of movies to get to. It was like mm-hmm. if you bought a movie and if you paid as much as these criterions were back in the day, you watched them right away. Sure. So I remember I was like, oh, man, this is a Japanese horror movie from Criterion. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, my God. Um, and at this point, like, you know, I, uh, never had got around to watching that quite Anne until much later. Oh, uh, interesting that you would uh, compare quite, uh, quite long to Onibaba. The, the quite Anne, the quite Anne, the quite Anne. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you never seen any other Japanese horror at that point? I mean, I've probably seen, uh, ring, um, the American one or the Japanese one? Japanese. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I had to ask. I've been dabbling my toe, but like for like earlier stuff, uh, it wasn't really much of an option uh, that I knew of at that point. Anyway, sure. So, um, yeah, I, I my memory of the movie was rural, like a rural setting, lots of long grass, um, mm-hmm. and something about a mother and a daughter, and they're doing bad things, and then there's mm-hmm. a mask involved, but. That was about all I had retained about this. Sure. Uh, watching this movie I, now, today, um, it just hit me immediately. I was like, holy shit, the atmosphere. <laughs> the atmosphere abounds. Uh, sure. The, the movie even actually has like a weird kind of process of how it kind of doles out information where you actually mm-hmm. get like a Japanese character for, was it like a whole uh, yeah, so they talk about – I actually got a couple screenshots. It is the hole. The hole. And it's the pit of darkness that has, like, existed for eternities or something like that. I thought it was funny because it's, like, that's how people talk about, like, lockdown and quarantines. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, look, Japanese holes. Yeah. Same thing. So uh, it opens up with this hole and these little intertitles, like a prelude mm-hmm. to, the like, a trailer. And then Onibaba in brackets, demon women. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, it's what, cool, hey? What's this all going to be about? So, uh-huh. so the movie, like, oh man, it's so widescreen. It's so widescreen, sure. RJ. Uh, taking sure. full advantage of uh, the frame and just shooting things, uh, you know, in that what we would kind of call like kind of that art house kind of Terrence Malick way of framing little details, things mm-hmm. that like you just drop. Like it's just more like it's almost padding. It's uh, there is often you know like establishing shots of things. But this mm-hmm. movie, there's no way of actually shooting 
establishing shots when everything is just grass and reeds. So everything you're always kind of like your horizon line is very restricted to like, it looks endless and you could, you could be really, really close to it or you could be like, you know, a hundred feet away, but it would look Mm -hmm. kind of the same. Just like, oh, the the grains of grass look thicker or something like that, but it's so slight. And you see it like blowing in the wind. You never really quite can see the sky. You know mm-hmm. it's there, but you're always just like you're in the weeds. Um, and so this movie's like got these shots of these two uh, soldiers. I don't know if mm-hmm. I call them samurais exactly, but they are Japanese soldiers who are – one's injured – the other mm-hmm. one is dragging his buddy with them, and they're just like on the run from some sort of skirmish, some battle war going off in the distance. You don't hear a battle going on. You just hear these men grunting, silently making their way through these grasses, trying to get to somewhere. And they're running, and they're running, and running. And they finally, like, he, the one who's saving his buddy, they collapse in the grass. <sighs> they look around. Uh, is this a safe place? <laughs> and then out of nowhere, spears come driving into them, <gasps> and they're dead. Mm-hmm. And then out comes two women <gasps> who have dispatched these two. And of course, at this point, I'm like, you know, this is actually reminding me of another uh, Criterion film that we watched many, many, many years ago now. But the in the Samurai trilogy, mm-hmm. there, there's the same this plot beat, this idea of uh, these like you know peasants who are making a living, basically you know, collecting the, the armor off of dead men and, mm-hmm. and then turning around and selling them. And it's kind of this frowned upon process. Um, but in this particular yeah. version, it's like, well, this is like a more explicit thing where, oh, they're killing these people or at mm-hmm. least uh, speeding up the process of them dying <laughs> in yeah. some cases. And uh, yeah, they literally strip the dead. You keep like there's like these like kind of nervousness. I'm like, well, are they actually dead? Are these guys actually dead? Because you know sometimes like they can reach out at you and grab at you because they're not really dead. And then you have to start hacking away at them till they are dead, slit their throat. Mm-hmm. But no, they're dead. They but they do give a nice kick to the head just to ensure uh, that they are no more. Well, how else would you check, Jerry? How, how else would you check? Uh, this yeah. is this is olden times, and mm-hmm. uh, they start dragging those bodies through the grass and throw them in the hole. Um, I, I was like definitely, uh, feeling very sympathetic to the, the actors of these dudes having to be pulled through all this grass, probably for like multiple takes and mm-hmm. and they're just in their, uh, Japanese underpants. Yeah. Well, them and even the, the three main actors in this movie, cause a lot of, they all have a scene where they nakedly run through the, the grass and in each one of their scenes, I was like, Ooh, so you, they they're gonna get a little cuts and stings, man. My man, I don't know about you, but I decided to confirm this. So this movie is set during a civil war in the 14th century. So that's like the mm-hmm. 1300s. Yeah. So uh, I actually, Jared, I'll get there. But uh, as I've been doing, because uh, these are on the channel, I watched the supplements with Kanito Shindo. Uh, it's like 20 minutes of him talking about this, and uh, he talks about the time frame. And he said he put it there just because. It needed, he's like, it couldn't be current. It needed to be in this time frame because uh, he said the crops and fields had to have been plowed through war. And that was the reason that they couldn't have access to resources. He's like, it needed to be a time where the war actually took over the farming and it made them unable to actually do anything. And like, that's what the setup is. So this 14th century stuff, that's kind of like why he, he picked that specific time. So 
we uh we mm. like the movie establishes kind of like what the the gimmick is where they they take yeah. the, they take the armor and the weapons and then they go hawk them at like mm-hmm. a, a man who also lives in a hole essentially like in a cave mm-hmm. uh, yeah and he uh he takes a look and he's like this is all worn down crap and uh, you know that's what you would do if you're trying to like pay the lowest dollar. You tell the other person that what they're looking at is crap, and then you say, "Oh, yeah. all I can do is do a little bit of this." And you know, at this point, I realized actually. Oh, sorry. The one thing I missed is before they actually bring the armor to him, they stop at their house, at their hut mm-hmm. first, and they uh, load up on some carbs. And this is where I'm like, "Oh, is this the return of of millet? Good old millet? Oh yeah, uh, our, our, our the, the crappy rice." Which mm-hmm. uh, I've only I only learned from Criterion films what millet was. That was a uh, was that in Seven Samurai? Seven that, uh, Samurai, yeah. That we were talking about millet, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a town in our province called Millet. Did you? Uh, I don't know if you knew that, Jarrett. Is that why your interest first sparked? Actually, it was from reading the probably the Lone Wolf and Cub manga. Oh, okay. And I was like, what the hell is millet? But it's kind of like, you... but it's the same thing for me. Like, what what the hell is mead? Oh yeah, they're all like strains of things we have now, but like yeah. different. Yeah, but there's like yeah. these old timey ways of saying it, and here's like, what what is this? They're always obsessed about it, and they're really sad they have to eat millet all the time. Well, I mean, I'd probably be bummed out too if I only had one thing all the time. Like, even if it was good rice, or not even just millet, if it was just barley, that would suck. And you know, you you definitely build up an appetite after a hard day of merging and dumping corpses in holes. I uh. I mean, it does wear on you quite a bit. You get pretty hungry. Yeah. Um, I, I liked, I like that scene a lot, where uh, they run back and then it's just pounding waters and eating handfuls of rice and just exhaustion. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's a, uh, I mean, it's like I said, it's kind of relatable. But uh, that and uh, the 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 score, the music, it's so oh, good. When it, when it picks up at that point, yeah. Well, because the first one hits, and you're like, is that like someone saying that? And then yeah. you realize it's on this track and the bang, the, that kind of jazz influenced drums that's on there. So, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who did the music for this, apparently he did all of, uh, Shindo's, uh, like all the music for all of his movies. And he was like, you know, this one, I just wanted something. Hikaru Hayashi. Yeah. He's like, I told him I, I want some percussion. And then uh, he threw in the person's voices. And then he does a little, He do, he's like, it kind of sounds like this. He's like, allow me to demonstrate for you. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> he's like, that's kind of what it sounds like. And uh, there's no one else in like being interviewed. It's just him. And, and you're kind of watching at home. You're like, yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. that is what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, what? So anyway, so yeah, we get, we, get, we get a snapshot of like how their uh, operation is going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that popped into mind watching this, uh, as we're gearing up for uh Corme, um, mm-hmm. is that this is essentially a B movie. Like this is B movie material. Like this is something that Roger Corman would have done a story about. Like there's like oh, stories sure. about like, you know, uh, there's like the one famous like Western story of like this, like cannibal family that people would stay at their house and then they kill them and eat them. And like take their stuff. Um, I can't remember the name of the family though, but it, that's like something that like Corman would do. And the way he mm-hmm. would shoot it in the same era is it would be pretty junky and like a B movie because there's no budget and no sense of real like uh, artisanal film craft. What kind of film craft, Jared? Sorry, the, the artisanal kind. Oh, okay, yeah. I think uh, the movie you're thinking of is—is is it the episode of the X Files called Home? Not, is that uh, 
not home. Oh, okay. Okay. No, this yeah. is like a, this is a historical thing. Uh So is that? Yeah. yeah. Are you saying the X-Files isn't a historical document? And historical document. Mm, I was, shameful. I, I was definitely going to look this up earlier, but uh I'm forgetting what their name is. Unfortunately, the podcast is over then, I guess. See, there's a whole thing about uh oh, look at that. There's a Kentucky cannibal named Boone Helm. Boone Hound? Boone Helm. It's a cool name. You don't you don't run into a lot of people named Boone anymore. Boone? Boone? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of a nice name. Yeah, there's always these tales though of like in rural communities and you know in the Appalachians and all sorts mm-hmm. of ongoings and whatnot. So anywho, um th- this uh Haichi, mm-hmm. his his uh best buddy was Kichi, who was married to uh the daughter in law. Mm-hmm. He shows up one day. He's kind of dressed in like you know tattered robes of a priest. He's got the the prayer necklace and everything like that. And he's mm-hmm. just like, um, I don't know, uh, a, I don't know, stripped down savage of a man. He he doesn't give a shit who he kills. It's all about survival. Doesn't think he doesn't even feel too bad about it. He's like really slow playing the what happened to my son. What happened to my? What happened to her husband? And he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, let me. I got a story to tell. You know, we were fighting for one general, and then we wound up joining with this other general. It's just these fights between these guys, and then there's a there's another fight, and you know, we got away, which is like one way of saying we ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took off, and they're like, "Oh, let's go for this farmhouse. It's empty." And then, like soon enough, twenty farmers just appeared out of nowhere and and beat uh, your son to death. Yeah, I um. I think it's funny the way he describes it. He's like, they beat us up real good. We died. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. He kind of talks like that, uh, Kai Sato. Or, what's his name? Yeah, Kai Sato. Yeah, yeah interesting. Kai Sato. So, Kai Sato. Um, and you kind of realize, like, well, now it's like these two women and this one guy in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happened? Well, he's things you think are like, oh, well, they're going to go back to normal. Um he's like totally okay of talking about how he kills people and steals their mm-hmm. stuff like a priest, which is where he got his priest outfit from. He's like, yeah, cause people will trust priests. It's like, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Um, yeah. he helps them catch some fish. You know, he's seeing this, uh, you know, nubile young woman re- oh, what? Re- recently, uh, widowed and he sees an opportunity, but, mm-hmm. uh, they're over, they're over by the Crick. And uh, mm-hmm. getting some fish and whatnot. And then they see these two samurais having a, a, a battle, chasing after one another on uh, horses. They get off of them. They start just running right into the water and start having a, a sword fight in, like, mm-hmm. like neck-deep water. And they're kind of just standing there. But the camera's telling the story of just their mindset mm-hmm. as you see the sweat kind of building on their face because they're like, ooh, here's an opportunity to make some money. And this is after a long buildup of uh, uh, Kaiseido asking them a, a lot. How do you guys have money? Where do you guys get food what, from? What? How do you get this? That's pretty cool. That's interesting. <laughs> it's like pretty nice shirt you got there, old lady. He's like, yeah. where'd you get that shirt? Mm-hmm. That seems oh. really rude, isn't it? I mean, it can be. Depends who you ask. So... The uh, soon enough, these samurais they kind of stop fighting. One of them's left for dead, and the other one starts swimming away. And he's coming to these these pleasant little pl- uh, peasants who are just waiting to help pull him out. Mm-hmm. But instead, they proceed to murder them and mm-hmm. uh, drown them and uh, pull them out, strip them down, 
send their bodies down that river. Don't even not even going to waste the hole on them. Not waste the what? The hole. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have to drag them to the hole. Yeah. The river yeah, it, the river will do. Sure, sure, as long as you get, like, what you need out of it. Mm-hmm. You get a sword, you get some armor, whatever. So now um, uh, Haichi, he, he's in charge. He's taking control of this because he's the man. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he grabs the armor, heads over to the, the hole, bo- the, I guess we'll call him Cave Boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Cave Boss is cool. Cave Boss and uh, says, hey, what are you going to give me for this? And he's like, well, you're going to get two bags or you're going to get three bags of uh, millet. That's all I got, though. That's all I can give you because mm-hmm. uh, the farmers, they ain't, they ain't working. No, no, everyone's hiding in the mountains till this uh, whole thing passes. He's like, well, <laughs> I'll just take a bottle of sake instead. Pretty fair trade, right? Mm-hmm. You're an alcoholic, aren't you? Like me. So. <clears throat> yep. And then, so now we shift gears a little bit, and then we mm-hmm. get uh, to one of RJ's favorite uh, hashtags on Letterboxd, the threat of rape. Uh, so this one was, uh, this one would almost even be better under the implication. There's definitely an implication, because it doesn't quite go as down that t- road. Because sometimes, it, it, yeah. as we've also learned, is sometimes you have to work through the no. Can you state your name and... Uh, Personal information for the record? R.J. Baylog. Because remember, you you do all parts of the show. You are the, oh, ma- you are right. the mastermind. Yeah, I do the, both voices. The puppet master. But as I many times have said, this is uh, these are characters that we play for a podcast. But yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely – the tag is – this is one of the places where I was like, I don't know if I should really tag it because it's not super threatened. It is more the implication. Right. Yeah, and it's more as you would have put it. I'm not going to repeat it, but what you said. Uh, I found the name of the the family of serial killers, the the Bloody Benders. The Bloody Benders, where did they live? Kansas. Kansas? That's where Superman's from, man. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. And they were eating people? Well, there was some Shit. thought that they might have been. They might have just been uh, burying them in the back. Hmm. Well, how would you they, do they it? They were believed to be German immigrants. Oh. How would you do it if uh, you had to? Um, What's that? Cannibalize? You know, you, you know what, yeah. Well, uh, I'd, I'd have to go back and watch that uh, Alex Jones video of him talking about mm. eating people's asses to feed his, do- <laughs> to feed his kids. This is, uh, this is above my pay grade, man. <laughs> <laughs> It happened that, just a week ago. <laughs> I, I I saw I saw the headlines, but uh, I chose not to uh, delve farther oh. down that Alex Jones hole because I, uh, that's a different kind of hole. Oh man! Yeah. Anyway, so uh-huh. daughter-in-law, uh, she's getting sized up by Haichi, and this just kind of puts out uh, mom. Well, she doesn't like that there's someone who could potentially steal her uh, assistant. Yeah, and well, it's also kind of a slap in the face. You're like, what do you mean? I'm not I'm not good look enough for you? You, you, don't, and, you don't want these titties? And then comes what I have to say I think is the grossest line I have heard in a Criterion movie so far. Oh. And I am even – we've watched Sallow, Jared. One of the grossest lines I've ever heard when she's trying to entice 
young uh, Hachi. And she says, she's like, I know I'm old, but she says, I'm not old inside. And it made me just shiver. I was like, ugh. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of uh, that um, Arrested Development when uh, <laughs> when uh, he makes the video for George, uh, George Michael. And it's like, young or old, it doesn't matter in the dark. But uh, not old inside. I was like, ooh. I was like, that's, that's gross. <laughs> but, you know, age does things to all of us, right? That's right. So anyways, keep talking about this gross sex movie. Well, so anyway, so now, so now this turns into the the titties hanging out movie for a little while. Yep. There's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of boobs because it's, it's getting real uh, warm out there. So uh, Bre- breasts if, are on display. Breasts are on display. And I, I not to interrupt, but Kenito Shindo specifically addresses this chair. Yeah. So they had to film in the summer because of the material they had for clothing was very thin. And he says... It also was to show that the women were naked. And he says, I don't want to be confused. He says, I don't want to say that because they were naked, they were more sexualized. But it was it shows them in a more primitive state. Mm-hmm. And he said that's also why he filmed it in black and white, because it is primitive. It is like down to the bare bones. And then he talks about sex a lot. So I'll talk about that other portion okay. later. But he specifically mentions the boobs. And he, he uh, I was going to get a screenshot. He talks about how one actress's boobs were nice and round and the others were saying. And he said, you know, they didn't really like it. But I explained to them, this is your job. And you can't think about if your husband is going to like this or not, because this is your character for a movie. It's not really you. So you have to be naked. And uh, he said they were really good sports about it. Well, when you're right, you're right. So just just as you're talking about the breasts and there's that scene where they're side by side, he he does say he's like, hey, listen, baby. He's like, I don't like it either. But this mm-hmm. is this is the movies. We got to do this. It's not, so, yeah. 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 So. The, so now uh, the daughter-in-law, she's sneaking off at night, mm-hmm. b- banging this dude. Mom does not like this at all. She's, not really. Pissing her off. She th- threatens uh, Haichi, saying, "Hey, quit doing that, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you both in the middle of the night." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, you won't, because then you'll be all alone." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one night, um, <gasps> mom is visited. By a, a samurai man mm-hmm. wearing a mask. The mask that's on the covers of the poster on the DVD. And uh, he's just like, good evening. <laughs> uh, I need some assistance. <laughs> he's like, excuse me, madam. Oh, but before he does that, he does kind of punch his sword through the hut just yeah. as a precaution. And then, uh, excuse me, madam, could you uh, escort me out of this grass field, please? It takes some convincing, right, Jerry? Yeah, he coaxes her. And then you get the Bane explanation as to why he wears the mask. He says, do you ever want to know why I wear a mask? Well, he's so handsome. He's the most handsome guy you ever saw. And, uh, and all of Kyoto before uh, before it burned down. I get it. Uh, it's very relatable to me. So. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, but there's this whole thing. Because you're the whole thing. Like, why doesn't he just take off his goddamn mask? I mean, wouldn't this like whole negotiation go a lot faster with the mask off. And surely he's having a hard time seeing in the dark with his mm-hmm. mask on. So it must be with between the grass, the dark, the mask. It's, it's too much. Take off the mask. Maybe that's why he needs a guide, right? He can't see. Maybe. 
So she's she's helping him, but she's plotting and she's mm-hmm. asking questions and he's suspicious. That he's he's not one of these dummies. But uh sure enough, he finds his way falling down that hole. Uh, he falls down the hole. Real good, Jared. Real good. Real good. Yeah. So he's down the hole and she's like that's that's that out of the way, mm-hmm. and uh, the next day she returns. This at this point, there's a lot of frolicking going on now. <laughs> Lots of just yeah. running around, everything just hanging out through the through the reeds. Mm-hmm. Um, mom's uh, getting a nice big post that she pops into the ground. Take, takes the rope, goes down to the hole where there's just piles of skeletons. Um, I like that they were completely clean skeletons too. Licked, it wasn't like clean by carrion. Like I know that they uh, they they strip them down, but uh, it's just the it is kind of funny how clean the, the skeletons yeah. are. Yeah, you know? and then they uh, so she finds a nice uh, nice dead samurai man with a mask, and she's like working this mask, trying to pull it off this guy's head, and it just finally it comes, and he's all like messed up underneath. It's all mm. burnt, and it's like whoa, what the hell is this all about? But she's got this idea. What kind of idea, Jerry? She's going to use this uh, this mask, like, and uh, she's going to pretend to be a, a demon ghost mm-hmm. in the middle of the night when when uh, her daughter in law goes to a high cheese place, and she's going to spook her, make her turn around. She's going to mm-hmm. break up that relationship. She's not listening. So, mm-hmm. so this kind of plays out time and time again. That this psychological element, um, high cheese. He's uh, he's not getting any action. He's start he's starting to have a hard time thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but he keeps getting. But she's not coming over. He's like, what the what the hell is this all about? And and uh, his daughter, the daughter in law, she can't make it. She can't get past this ghost. And then finally, uh, I've been there, been there. And then finally, uh, I think it's during a rainstorm. Yep. During a rainstorm, she finally breaks. She breaks the guard pa- past the the demon ghost. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a big there's a bit of a chase. And finally. Uh, Haichi and the daughter-in-law, they get back, they get together, they embrace, they bang right there. And then, and yep. um, mom goes back to the hut um, and the, the daughter-in-law and uh, Haichi, they start making plans, you know, about the future. Why don't you, mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't you just move in with me? Yeah. That's what I've been saying all along, baby. Uh, Haichi goes back to his hut and there's just some guy hanging out and he gets, gets killed and he's, so he's fucking dead. But and then what happens? And then, and then, daughter-in-law, she goes back to her hut and finds uh, her mother-in-law just sobbing on the ground, and she's wearing the mask and she's freaked out. And it's like, no, no, it's me all along. And of course, the daughter's like, "What the fuck, you piece of mm. shit? You're like, what's wrong with you?" And she's like, "My mm-hmm. mask, it won't come off." And it's like, "See, that's your punishment. You're the piece mm-hmm. of shit." Ooh, and it's like, and, and then she's like refusing to help her get this mask off because apparently when the water fell, it made it stick to her face. Allegedly, and, allegedly, and so there's like this drawn out thing about getting this mask off, and uh, it's not coming. She's got to, uh, the mom's got to agree to all these things. You got to let me go whenever I want, whenever I want, and there's no mm-hmm. more, no more of the old dynamic. And then so finally she gets like a hammer out and just starts smashing this woman's head about, and then it cracks. Uh, in half and mm-hmm. and then it kind of peels apart and you get to see the mom's face underneath and she's just like all like burnt up like there's just something mm-hmm. like like something's happened to, with this mask and she thinks she's free and she starts chasing her daughter through uh, through the through the woods through through the reeds and chasing her and chasing her and there's this the movie ends with this like slow motion jump 
over the hole. The daughter-in-law mm-hmm. makes it. And then as the, the woman's jumping over it, she's like, I'm a human being. I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. And then the movie ends. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so on rewatch of this movie, uh-huh. I, I, I guess I, like, I, I remember like the vagueness of the, like the vague kind of idea of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think this movie's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's cool. uh, it's cool. gorgeous. Uh, yeah, those shots of those crows on tree branches around the swamp, and they're just all shot the 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 blowing of the the reeds, the mm-hmm. the score, cinematography, uh, mm-hmm. the, the simplicity of the story. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I love all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it, maybe it goes on a little long, potentially. Yep, arguably. I agree. Um, it probably, I don't know exactly what you trim. Um, I didn't feel like it was mm-hmm. going on too long. I think at one point I did the, I just kind of paused it to see where I was at. I'm like, oh, it's, it's been an hour. I'm like, huh. Yeah. Like where else does this go? But, uh, yeah, yeah no, I, I, uh, as far as like a revisiting of a movie, usually they're, uh, sometimes letdowns and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I see a lot of problems with this, but this was not the case. Uh, this movie has so many things to recommend about it. Uh, and again, this is like. I don't know. I still don't see a lot of people who watch this movie or even talk about it. It still hasn't been re-released on Blu-ray to this day. Mm-hmm. And I know those people love their Japanese horror, so I'm kind of surprised this hasn't got a, a re-release because I think it would look amazing in high def. Mm-hmm. But, uh, RJ, I'm curious mm-hmm. what you think of Onibaba. Well, as I described as having one of the grossest lines of dialogue I've ever heard, um, I find Onibaba a very good show, Jared. It's very good. Uh, I think the it's kind of funny because the parts that I like, the very beginning and the very end, yep. um, those are, I think, the very best parts of it. Uh, it's not, according to Kanito Shindo, that's not what the movie is about at all. The movie is about raw sexuality, Jared, and I'll get there. But uh, I think... I think Onibaba is wicked good. Uh, the intro with the kind of the chase down, um, that score with the yeah, oh, it's so cool. It gets you real amped up. And then uh, that scene with them gorging, you're just like, what? what's going on? And you really get drawn into it. I think that's so good. Uh, it looks great. Uh, the grass, every time cutting back to the grass is super cool. Uh, and then I, I do really like uh, the kind of like the petty trick at the end where it's like, She's like, you know, if you you got you have sex, you're gonna get demons. And uh, she's like, what do you mean? He's like, you're gonna get demons. It's just pretty simple. It's like you have sex, you'll get demons. She's like, but it's totally natural. People do it forever. It's like, yeah, man and wife. Anyone else? It's uh, case of the demons. And then like even just like the act of like scaring her, I think is really funny. It's good a uh, good Catholic guilt, Jarrett, into scaring you into abstinence. And I was like, yeah. Love that. Um, so I think all that stuff is wicked good. Uh, it looks awesome. Uh, and like, I agree with you. The simplicity of it is really good. And so that's what Shindo talks about too, is he's like, it's very simple. He's like, that's because he says at the time, uh, color, uh, was like the, the thing in Japan because of like uh, technicolor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He's like, but I did black and white. And he's like, because I wanted it to make it of like, it's like it's one or it's two things he's like because the movie is very simple and that's what he was kind of saying about like primitivism because he actually describes it pretty eloquently he's talking about like sexuality and stuff like that when he's talking about the boobs he uh you lose he loses you a little bit you're like uh you're like what are you talking about dude 
Um, but he, he talks about, he's like, the whole movie is about it. He's like, because it's this thing that like everyone does and is a product of, he's like, but then it gets like, uh, shamed because of what it is or something. He's like, but it's, he's like, it's part of like human, like nature and all that kind of stuff. And then he talks about how, uh, the way that the grass moves, he was talking about it, like mimicking, uh, both emotions and sexuality he's like the undulation of the of the grass he's like it's at different like rhythms when they're happy or they're doing it or they're scared and i was like i was like i don't i didn't really get that but i did like it cut into grass all the time i thought that was just nice like a nice cut uh he also talks about like the music where uh not the score part but when she's running through the grass there's uh pigeons and he's like i used pigeons because they're very raw sexual beings and again i was like uh shindo what uh what do you mean dude so it's uh his interview it's only like 20 minutes long some of it's really interesting and then some of it I was kind of like I have no idea what this guy's talking about uh, one other thing which is like a, like a super sick burn to Hashi Ken Sato the guy he's like uh, we wanted a guy who was not very good looking for this role because it would be more believable we wanted him like primal and then it cuts to like the actor and he's like so yeah there you go and I was like oh shit I was like he's just like shoveling shit on this guy um, well, they don't want Mifune in there that's because that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, I wonder why Tashira Mufune wasn't in here. And and they they bring it up. They're like, we needed someone who wasn't handsome. And I was like, there it is. That's why they didn't do it. Uh, so he talks about like that kind of stuff. And then um, what else was I going to say? Apparently, this movie was shot and released in the same year. And it was a big success for Toho. Uh, and he talks about like the contract details, which are like crazy. Apparently Toho lent his production company money with interest. And if this movie hadn't been successful and made money, then he would, they would have like their company would have folded because they would have to have paid back all the money to Toho. But because it was successful, they were able to pay it off really fast. And I was like, that's such a weird thing. Like I've never really heard of that. Maybe it's common. I don't know. Or maybe it was, um, then there's another supplement on the on the Criterion channel where it's uh, that guy Kai Sato. He uh, it's just Super 8 footage of them filming, and it's there's no audio or anything. And I I, I flipped it on, and my interest kind of waned in it after a little while, but it's there. Uh, anyways, I um I liked that this is just uh, what um, a lot of people. Uh, I I think this is like Goosebumps, the Haunted Mask, mm-hmm. and I, I'm pretty sure R.L. Stein was probably into this. Friend of the show Oliver Granger highlighted that this is also the Mask with Jim Carrey. Um, so there's a lot of influence. You can see Oni Baba everywhere, Jarrett. But uh, he did. He was talking. Uh, like the director talks about it being all sexuality and like that's the part of the movie that I actually think loses me the most is that middle bit that middle 40 minutes because it does it just dips like into not as much as happening and it's like apparently that's what the whole movie was to him but it's like I think the intro is really interesting the ending is really interesting and the middle is necessary for it because that is the story but uh, I think the middle part is where I get lost the most because I'm like well I'm not I know why they're doing it, but I'm not as interested in this stuff, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And then, uh, I don't know, he, it's all about the primitive primal needs of, of man, Jarrett. Like, what are some of your primal needs? Uh, such as finding out that uh, uh, Kaneto Shindo uh, directed a film on the life of actor Taiji Toniyama. 
uh, a 2000 biographical film about the actor that he had worked with. And there is apparently some behind the scenes stuff from uh, uh, Onibaba mm-hmm. about getting drunk with hmm. with the uh, two actresses, I guess. As well as, hmm. yeah, during like, yeah, there's Ninja, Ninjin, Onibaba, as well as in The Naked Island, a future creep. Hmm. Was, do you think that's also a sexual film? Uh, well, in the description of the movie by Player, uh, the film focuses on Tony Yama's alcohol dependence and his various sexual relationships, as well as his film work with Shindo. It's kind of like us, eh? I think that uh, Shindo's got uh, something he's interested in. That's good for him. Sure. I mean, he got paid for it, so yeah. how, how can you argue? But no, I, I think Onibaba is super cool. It's got a lot of uh, really great details. Looks great. Uh, the grass is super nice. Score is wicked. Gets you amped up. It's a cool story. Sex stuff is a little weird. But, uh, you know, As what are you always. Do? As always, it's a little weird. But what are you going to do, right, Jer? It's a, it's a cool movie. And I also, one thing I didn't talk about is, you mentioned it before, but the character of the whole Mm-hmm. I think is awesome. Like, I think that's a, it's so neat to have just like a physical property that is like a living character in a movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. And then even the mask too. It's like, yeah, maybe the rain got some of that BPA acrylic stuck to your right. face and you were irritated. Maybe it was the wrath of God, Jared. I don't know. And there is something about holes in Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's like, there's this one movie, uh, Empire of Passion, which is about a, a body getting uh, thrown down a well. Uh, yeah. And then there's the movie uh, Woman in the Dunes, which is about a man who is basically gets trapped in a pit, essentially. And he, mm-hmm. but he's not allowed out. The villagers won't let him out. They they want to keep him. And so he has to mm. like he has to live in a, essentially a hole. So it's like something that pops up over and over again uh, in Japanese movies. I'm not sure. Like, and there's like um, what's that movie called? The Pit, the American yeah. movie, uh, which is also about holes. And there is something creepy about holes. If, it's an absence. Tell me what you think about holes. <laughs> I think there's the, the sh- what I can tell you about who hates holes. The Shia LaBeouf movie. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about who hates the D- holes. Directed by Joe Dante. Or holes? or or or, 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 or a, another movie called I think this is called also like was it holes? Yeah. There's like the hole. There's holes I'm, and then there's hole the hole. I'm talking about holes by Andrew Davis, 2003, the man who brought us the fugitive under siege above the law, the final terror. There's a Joe Dante movie. called called the hole yeah 2009 it's probably not as good as holes with uh shia labeouf though we'll see there's holes with your boy uh-huh. there's the 2009 american 3d dark fantasy horror film directed by joe dante the hole okay and then there's also the hole from 2001 starring uh thora birch what's that one about holes at least a hole kira knightley desmond mm. harrington directed by nick ham Who's Nick Ham? Uh, exactly. Interesting. Okay, so tell me about who hates holes. Well, let's take a look here. Um, Charles Yang. Okay. One star. Onibaba is a creepy and wonderfully atmospheric film. 
It does not shy away from the very base performances of human nature stirring into the mix a taste of the supernatural. However, I found myself uninterested past the 20-minute mark. It was not Mm. working for me. The relationship between the two women and the deserter. The whole love triangle thing and the evil mask wasn't to my cinematic taste. Only Baba Baba looks cool, but the ending is not worth the wait. Interesting, interesting. Uh, This person gave five stars to Holes, the Shia LaBeouf movie. Jared, I'm not making this up. This is 100% accurate. Uh, I find that outrageous. (laughs) Outrageous, Jared. Uh, I mean, five-star movies aren't bad. We got Passion of the Christ. Uh, T2, Judgment Day, Mulholland Drive, Lord of the Rings, Ninja Scroll, five stars. Oh, shit. But then we got Hereditary and Quiet On. So I find it weird that they say they like were waiting for it, but they liked Quiet On that much. This is this person's bio. Holds up the Infinity Gauntlet. Hear me, cinephiles of Letterboxd. Oh, jeez. I am movie Thanos. Read my reviews, ye mighty and despair. So, I mean, that tells you about his, oh, half a star films, Jarrett, Swiss Army Man, half a star? Get fucked, man. What are you doing? What are you doing, bud? Crazy. Anthony Palucci. In, oh. This is an all caps one star. Straight okay. garbage in the trash. Worst movie I've ever seen. Mr. Searing, I hope you see this. I'm assuming that might be his teacher. Ooh. Uh, I guess they gave the room four stars, which I find is strange because there's people who like don't rate it. And then you have the irony crowd that gives it five stars or the people who are like, oh, it's a half star movie. So the fact that he gave it four stars, I find that very strange or whoever this person is. They gave La La Land five stars. Of course. Yeah. So who else? Finally, Carter Llewellyn. One okay. star. A Hooptober 2015 review. Ugh. Well, this was something. I guess part of it, this is one of those films that gets hyped as a horror film when it is really a slow, uneventful drama with a few horror elements towards the end, which isn't what I was expecting from something as often hyped as one of the <gasps> best Japanese horror films. If you are expecting a horror film, stay away. If you want a pretty drama with a handful of poor scummy people having sex and very occasionally killing someone to rob with a cursed mask coming in at the very end, then this is for you. Yes, I know that sounds awesome, but it's really quite slow-paced and dull. Even if the mask is good and has a weird quality to it I quite like. Overall, I found it disappointing. Overall, I find this person disappointing, Jarrett. They gave the Texas Chainsaw Massacre a half a star. Okay, there you go. Also, half a star to bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. All right, Jared. okay. So here's their uh, here's their bio. They actually sound a lot like you. Uh, Corgi Wrangler, reformed literature, cultural studies student crawling towards the business world. Fan of Shion Sono and pulpy nonsense. Also, apparently, a lot of 70s movies. This site reveals hidden but truths But not Texas about Chainsaw or... Bring me the head. Okay. Nope. This is what they also said, Jared. This is the part I, I, I thought sounded like you. Also, a lot of Westerns, old films, <laughs> Asian films, and 70s Italian trash. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think Baby Driver is 70s Italian trash because they gave it five stars. Right. 
But they also gave The Mummy Tom Cruise five stars. So that's Irony Crowd, maybe. And Love Exposure five stars, because I guess they're allegedly a fan. Conjuring 2 five stars. What the fuck? Nobody likes that movie. Get out of here. So anyways, weird weird person, whoever this is. Huh. But I mean, they're... They're kind of like you, westerns, Asian films, seventies stuff. Come on now. Yeah, but mm. one star. Well, they're also in the Hooptober crowd, so <laughs> something else too, you know. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it for the hate. Um, sure. Any final words? Nah, man. I think Onibaba is cool. That's it. That's it. After the break, um, find our skeletons at the bottom of the hole with headphones you, and microphones. That'd be a pretty funny. We, thing we, to we see. I mean, I, I didn't make it over the hole when I leapt. I went straight down like a brick. I never make it over the hole, man. Uh, straight down. There's like, yeah, when that one guy, the first one who gets thrown down the hole, I'm like, that was a guy. Yeah, they really dump a dude down a hole. Yeah, that was uh, that was hardcore. Yeah, and that, and that was after probably being drugged through the grass all that time too. Yeah, the guy had a bad deal. I hope he got paid. In millet. RJ, are you going to be digging a hole in your backyard this weekend to throw potential looters in, these, in this time? I mean, I do have a hole back there, but it's not looters I put in. What, what, what do you put in the hole? You should come over. I'll show you. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com and tell us what you put in your holes. We've got a Facebook page. Oh, We're on Instagram. Jared. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnwolf. You can follow uh, all the gourmet movies we're watching. Yeah, yeah. Sure, you can. And we've got a YouTube. 1,300 subscribers today. How much is our uh, Red Tube subscribers up to? Uh, just the two of us still. Oh, well, someone will find it eventually. And uh, we've got a Patreon. What's on that OnlyFans type stuff? Oh yeah, all all those all your picks. Oof. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Tumblr, things like mm-hmm. that. I don't mm-hmm. know. Next sure. week, Spine two hundred and twenty-seven. It is the return of Henry Georges Clouseau and his film Le Corbeau from nineteen forty-three. What do you mean return? He's back. In pog what did he do form. before? Do you remember Alf Bart? He's back. In pog form. What did he do before? Wages of Fear. The Diabolique. Oh. Alright. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, there's another one too. You're, like what? You should be very well versed in the cl- cl- closet. 
I don't I don't remember stuff, Jared. Come on. What you don't you don't remember Quay de Orfrevre? Quay de Orfrevre? That was a surprise hit. We actually enjoyed that movie, I think. Yeah, I mean I didn't I don't know what my star rating for it was, because I didn't rate it at that moment. So that mm. was, that's that's why star ratings are important, I guess. Sure. Yeah, this sure. is I think this is number four. Uh well shit. He's one of the big hitters then. Oh yeah. Shit. And we're gonna find out all that and more when we talk about it next week. Oh, uh, interesting. See you then, Jer. Tune in, Volks. Volks? Yeah. Volker Schlondorfs? Yes. Interesting. Interesting.